in 2012, writer Jason Aaron embarked on a quest to reshape the God of Thunder for the modern age. Together with superstar artists like Isad Ribic, Russell Dodderman, and more, Aaron would take readers on a journey into mystery, and the mightiest Avenger would never be the same. The Geeksplained Book Club proudly presents The Days of Thunder. Welcome back to the best book club in the multiverse. This is the latest session of the Geeksplain Book Club and a very special edition because this is our first Geeksplain Book Club annual for 2022. And it's, uh, it's a pretty special one. Pretty excited about it. I am, of course, joined by my co-hosts, my fellow Warriors 3, uh, the only two men who I would trust to dive into the fires of muspelheim all the way to the winged skies of heaven first off we have malcolm russell nelson hello i'm and malcolm russell nelson <laughs> and we also have jacob brown verily true believers <laughs> try again try again verily <laughs> okay that's the one and that's yeah. jacob brown <laughs> And we are really excited. This is, I guess you could say, a post-show for our Days of Thunder series, where we have been going through every single issue of every single volume of Jason Aaron's Thor. And we are joined by a very special guest, the man himself, welcoming to the podcast, Jason Aaron. How's it going, guys? Ah, hi. <laughs> uh, if, if you can't I, tell, Jason, we're we're very excited to have you on the show. That's good. I I appreciate that level of enthusiasm. I I will try to to be worthy of it. <laughs> well, I mean that's the that's the point though is that no one is truly worthy, and we're all worthy, right? Um. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I I, I agree with those points. <laughs> we pay attention. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the the last eleven weeks have just been us going. But what does he mean by this? <laughs> what does he mean? No, it's it's been a wonderful like. But like, what does Thor mean, or what do I mean by by that? Yes, both. Both, <laughs> both is good. Uh, but yeah, we've been going through the last eleven weeks through uh, your entire run on Thor, seven years plus a little bit extra with ten more issues of Jane Foster Valkyrie. Um, it's been a ride, and we're really excited to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for coming and doing this. No, I'm happy to. I appreciate you guys devoting so much time and energy to to going over my my Thor stuff. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess we'll just dive into uh, some questions. If you if you guys have any general stuff you gotta get off your chest right now. Um, real quick, my my partner did just text me uh, to tell you. Uh, I'm gonna read it directly. Shout out to Quinn. Uh, say <laughs> that she says thank you and provided no additional context or info. 
<laughs> so, uh, right, Jason, well. I guess my first question is, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know why this needed to come out now in this podcast, but I mean, sure, let's. <laughs> it's been just one long, elaborate parent trap style <laughs> yes. <like> plan. <laughs> I mean, let's, I'll just say, you know, you're welcome and leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> I will tell her. Uh, she has a lot of explaining to do. When she gets <laughs> well, uh, we're we're gonna dive into it. Um, obviously, we've got a ton of questions because <laughs> we've been spending I don't, a lot more of questions time. than we had a minute ago. I guess. Yeah, yeah. We, we have one additional question now. <laughs> one, just so one we're additional. already we're already off to a hot start. I have um, questions too. <laughs> Well, since you're our guest, maybe you should get to your questions first. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I guess we'll we'll start uh, for anyone who has been kind of jumping in or they haven't uh, listened to an interview of yours before. Uh, Maybe just some background stuff on you, comics, your work in comics. Um, I'll start off here. What originally drew you to comics as a medium? And did you have any favorite characters growing up? You mean like what what drew me as a as a fan or yeah. as a as yeah. a writer? Uh, I mean, as a fan, you know, it was um, going to the drugstore with my mom and buying books off the spinner rack. You know, I think the first issue I ever put, picked up of anything was an issue of World's Finest with the um, Neil Adams cover where Batman's like turned into a bat and he's attacking Superman. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was during that period where you know, there, there was huge, they were really huge. So you'd get like a Batman story, Superman, Hawkman, Green Arrow, can't remember who else is in it, just a bunch of stories. So it was great for me, you know, I mean, I knew the Super Friends cartoon, but that was it. I'd never read a comic before. So picking yeah. up the first one and you get all these different kind of avenues, you know, into the universe was a really great way to, to come into it. So I kind of the first few years worth of books i was buying were all just you know things i kind of randomly pick picked off the spinner i can't look looking at back at them now i can't tell like what you know why this one why that one i don't really know like there weren't <laughs> it was just kind of the issue of this issue of that but then there were a couple of books where became the first books where i was like oh okay i gotta get every issue of these one was atari force um <laughs> which awesome. I, I think was just you know it was like i think i saw issue number one on the sand and i was like oh okay what's this and it's drawn by jose luis garcia lopez still mm-hmm. such a beautiful the legend beautiful the legend beautiful man yeah um so that was one where i was like okay i'm on the ground floor with this one and i, I would keep coming back and getting every issue and then um new teen titans was like the other one where I don't I don't remember exactly what issue it was on when I started buying it but it was the first one where I was like oh, okay now I got to go back and somehow find you know all those issues I had missed you know before I started picking it up yeah and then, and then George Perez was the first artist whose work I could recognize on other books you know it's kind of right after that was when Crisis came out so yeah that was a you know another great way to get a a picture of just like how big you know the universe was right like as they were killing off all these different characters <laughs> it's really i mean it's such a 
look back, looking back, it was such a great time, you know, to get into comics, I think, because of, you know, I kind of got there right at the beginning of so much really, really amazing stuff. Right. And, and kind of never looked back. I've never, there's never been a period in my life since then where I wasn't buying and reading comics, you know, like yeah. through college, um, through um, my adult life, I've always had a pull list one place or another. Um, my my collection of long boxes has just grown and grown and grown. It's a problem. Um, like storage, is. <laughs> storage is, I've, I've learned over the years, storage is the biggest enemy to a comic book fan. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Figuring out shelving solutions and, <laughs> and all that sort of shit, um, you know, becomes a complicated thing. But these days, at least I can say it is, for me, it's a le- legitimately a work-related you know, expense. Yeah. This is yeah. my work. To write those off. Yeah. My yeah. work library. <laughs> did you See, I don't know if that I don't know if that answered your question as long as No, absolutely. It. No. Oh, it absolutely. <laughs> it, it had to be confusing a little bit though, if you got started like right as crisis was happening. It's like, who are all these people? Why are they all dying? I know, but I loved <laughs> I I mean I remember loving that part of it. I was just so intrigued. of like you know oh okay there's you know there's a caveman and there's war heroes and there's all these different eras and different earths and i was just fascinated by kind of by by all that you know and then i learning about earth too would lead me to all-star squadron and and infinity incorporated um just in so many you know great directions absolutely so who are your specific like dc like characters that you love like who who's your favorite dc characters on because you're naming a lot of dc ones and i was surprised by that yeah i mean i you know i was really a dc kid that was kind of the um the the stuff that the hooked me in i mean you know like i, I started reading x-men around that time too and um long shot was was a was a big book i loved that book when it first came out but i mean in terms of dc characters of course i love batman you know i that was a good time to start reading Batman too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love, particularly love that detective comics run that Alan Davis did, I think with Mike Barr. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of right around, right around crisis. Uh, and then, you know, you got all the, the John Wagner, Norm Brayfogle stuff, which was great. And, um, and, and, you know, of course year one is somewhere in the midst of all that too. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, I probably, if you went down in my basement and, and sorted out all my long boxes, um, I'd, I'd say I've certainly got more Batman than I've got anything else. Yeah. Um, so I do like Batman, but I, you know, again, that, that, that time I got into comics, um, another one of the books that was really huge for me was Blue Devil. Um, mm. Awesome. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. you guys remember Blue Devil. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. That is so interesting. It was That's such a time. such a fun such a fun book. I mean, it's still such a ridiculous idea. It's like that his origin, if you don't know, is this <laughs> is issue one. They're shooting Blue Devil the movie. And this dude is this like a stunt man, and he's just an actor in the movie, and he's wearing the a blue devil costume, and it's this really high-tech costume. <laughs> They can do all this sort of stuff for the movie that they're shooting. And in the midst of shooting the movie, they accidentally unearth a real life demon. And so this dude has to go, you know, fight the demon in the costume. And then the last page of the issue is he realizes he can't take the fucking costume off anymore. He's just stuck in it. <laughs> stuck. <I love> it. <laughs> 
it's like so ridiculous but so great and it was it's so cool the, yeah. the book was the book was really fun and silly um but like with a lot of heart like i really you know i really really loved that character mm. um so again like one of those weird things i i I think people who remember that book who are of the right age and who found it at that time really love it. But most people yeah. have been, and it, you know, that character has changed. I don't even know exactly where that character is these days, but he's changed a lot over it the years since then. He hasn't shown up a lot recently. Yeah, he's, he's pucksing around somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Did you catch yeah. when he was in, um, cause he was in that recent uh, Swamp Thing show. Yeah. yeah. Oh, a, was he really? Like, no, I didn't for, for, for Ian yeah. was playing him. <laughs> Oh wow! No, it's yeah. <laughs> awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. They, they brought it all the up. way up to oh man, he's Blue Devil, and then this, the series ended. Yeah. Just, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> um. Yeah, I I fucking love Blue Devil. I mean, I think I those I I look back a lot of the stuff that stuck out to me from those days: Blue Devil, Blue Beetle, um, you know, the Justice League International, Excalibur. Mm-hmm. yes um, like so many of those books are they're not afraid to just be fun right yeah. like they mm-hmm. they're they're not dumb they're not just silly i mean you know jli could be incredibly silly at times but yeah. you i mean those are those are such um well-defined characters it's, it's such a good time to hang out with those characters um and i, I think you know the we haven't seen as many of those kind of books over the years, but I think for whatever reason, kind of when I got into comics, it was, there was a, I wouldn't say a flood of them, but there were, there were a lot of really significant, really, really good, you know, versions of that. So yeah. I think, I think that's why you've seen me, you know, do a lot of silly, more ridiculous stuff. in some of the books I've done is cause that, that shit that I came of age reading. Yeah. That makes Absolutely. a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No kidding. So you grew up a DC guy, a DC kid, but from what I understand, you got a, you got a big break at Marvel writing a short story for Wolverine. Is that right? Yeah, I won a Marvel Comics talent search contest in the, <laughs> the summer of 2001. What? That's um, awesome. Which, you know, was one of those kind of weird thing that um had never really happened before and hasn't happened since um i you know i the i just i typed up a one-page synopsis for a wolverine story and and you had to turn it in at uh, wizard world chicago so just dropped it onto a pile of them and you know it was several months before i heard anything like i'd gotten to the point where i was like whatever happened with that talent search contest one of my <laughs> friends was like <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure they announced those winners a while ago. And I was like, oh, well, okay, shit. I guess I didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then one day I just had a message, you know, on my phone to call Mike Martz of Marvel. Um, and that was, that that story came out in issue of Wolverine in like 2002, I believe. Yeah, amazing. Um, wow. Kind of got my foot in the door. It's still, it's like another five years, I want to say, before four or five years before I had another book come out, but it was, you know, first time it kind of encouraged me to feel like, okay, I think I can try to take a shot at this. I mean, it's what I'd wanted to do since I was a kid. Right. You know, I, I told my parents when I was little, you know, I want to write comics someday. 
had no fucking clue how to go about doing that. So it took me until, <laughs> I, was, until I was almost 30, until I won that contest to, you know, get some email addresses, get some editors who would, who would write me back and just kind of right. start, you know, politely and patiently, but persistently pestering yeah. them, <laughs> which is one of the secrets to breaking into comics, you know? Yeah. You, you, you want to make sure that you're polite and patient about it, but you got to be persistent. Um, so, yeah. And it's just a little of, bit pushy. Just a touch. You know, there's a, there's a line, right? There's a line <laughs> between when you're bugging the shit out of them and when you're just, you know, persistently reminding them, hey, I, you know, I'm a, I exist. I'm alive. I'd still just, just checking in. Hi. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that talent search contest, I mean, it didn't lead to anything else at the time. I mean, I thought like, oh shit, you know, I'm going to do this 10 page Wolverine story. And next thing you know, I'll be writing Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't quite work out that way. I mean, I pitched just tons and tons of stuff. Um, but one of the things I pitched to Marvel when they were, I don't know, there was that short period where they were going to do another version of Epic Comics. Mm. where they were um you know saying send us send us pitches that kind of offbeat marvel characters and i think i mean hardly anything came of i think maybe they published one or two books from it um but the um thing i submitted was a relaunch of the nom you know their vietnam war book cool Mm. as part of the pitch you had to write the first issue script so um i wrote the first issue of is this was you know the the only comic script i'd ever written other than the 10 page wolverine one um so this was the first like full script i'd ever written i i most assuredly worked harder on that script than i have ever worked on another one in my life (laughs) makes sense i I, I just for probably for months you know it's like loaded with references and quotes and i mean it reads like a fucking you know Alan Moore script, like it's. So <laughs> and also, I mean, and also, Alan Moore scripts were like the only scripts I had ever really seen at the time, right? Like yeah. you didn't yeah. know what comic scripts looked like, but I had that Watchmen, you know, deluxe hardcover that's got yep. more scripts, which are, I mean, they're you know, they're so beautiful just to read, but it's like this really long, in-depth letter to to the artist. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, well, I guess that's how you're supposed to do it. Um, <laughs> so I worked really fucking hard on that issue and it got turned down by Marvel, but I just, you know, I, I, I sent it to an editor at Vertigo and eventually uh, to Will Dennis and eventually got him to read it. And that, that became kind of the second way I broke in is doing, yeah. doing a book called the other side, the other at, side. At, at Vertigo, um, you know, and it's, I think if one thing has always kind of led to another um, right. and I've, I've been doing it ever since. So I'm interested. You said that you, you worked really hard on that non pitch. And I mean, I've seen lots of different scripts that are exactly how you're describing where it's just walls and walls of like dense referential stuff. How has your, your personal writing style like changed or evolved? since then over time are there little tricks that you have are there things that you've kind of like gotten out of the habit of yeah i mean you know certainly it's not as dense you know and i mean if if 
if I need to go into detail about something, I, I, I do, but I mean, I, I, you come to understand, like, you, you know, you're working with professional artists. Like, I don't ever feel like I need, how overboard do I need to go to tell this person, you know, what it is to draw. Some people I've, I've worked with before, I know I give them three words and they know exactly what I'm talking about. And I know what they're going to do and they'll go crazy with it. So I, I, I think for me, I, I always just feel like, you know, I want to put cool shit on the page, cool ideas, and then just kind of get out of their way and let them, you know, do what they do. I can't draw them terrible fucking artists, so they, just, <laughs> they don't need me to tell. I mean, I'm like Tom King, you know, level artist. <laughs> Are you, um, you mean Tom King, the stick figure legend? Yes, Is that good? Yeah. That's, I'm, that's about the level I'm on. That's amazing. Um, I love, I, I drew pretty good when I was a kid. I really loved to draw kind of before I got into writing. I was, I was drawing all the time. And then I think when I switched over that the muscle just atrophied, you know, Yeah. Um, <laughs> I fu fuck all the people who are good at both. Like I hate all those, <laughs> I hate all those people. That's so fair. Out of here, Sean Gordon Murphy. You can go. Jim <laughs> McKelvey, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Eric Powell, you goddamn bastard. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I was sorry. What was the question? <laughs> I guess I caught up being bitter. I can't remember. <laughs> well, I guess I I do want to touch back on something um, specifically. Wolverine. Wolverine's popped up a lot in your work. You've written him so many times. Um, mm -hmm. Is there a specific reason that you are drawn to the character? Is there something that you really enjoy about writing him? Well, I mean, the secret was that I was I was not really that drawn to the character in the beginning. That's kind of the secret to most of the characters, you know, in particular yeah, the characters I've spent years writing. <laughs> um, and then those in those four or five years where I was um, kind of between winning that talent search contest and getting more work when I was pitching everything, pitched a lot of Punisher, Captain America, pretty much, again, whatever editor at Marvel would kind of respond to my emails okay what books do they edit i'll pitch those um so I, I kind of spent a lot of time chasing stuff that turned into nothing um so i kind of quickly figured out okay like i just need to be more strategic about what i'm doing and, and focus on particular editors right like look at the books i like to read who edits those books um, if, if this editor has five books that I'm really into, chances are their similar, you know, sensibilities of mine are pretty similar. Mm. So I should probably target those specific guys. So I started doing that. So, you know, Will Dennis of Vertigo and Axel Alonso at Marvel were the two guys who, who really gave me my career in those days. So I started doing Wolverine stuff because that's what Axel was doing, you know, I, um, Axel had read my my Vertigo stuff and offered me a Wolverine gig. Um, I mean, you know, I, I I had read X Men. You know, I had a Wolverine poster on my wall when I was a kid, so I, I, I was affinity for Wolverine. But I was not. I, I figured out pretty quickly I was not just going to walk through comics with a list of like, oh, okay, I really want to write Wolverine. I really want to write Thor. Whoever, like, I did not have that list. There are characters at, at Marvel that as a fan, you know, that I'm more fond of than others. Some of those are characters are really ones I have not written very much, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Like, like Ben Grimm, the thing is one of my favorite characters. I've hardly written him at all. That makes a lot of sense. I yeah. can see you being yeah. a Ben Grimm guy. That's awesome. <laughs> I love him. He's great. Like as a reader, he's yes. one of my favorites. But so yeah. I, I quickly kind of separated the two of just, okay, the, I like working with this editor. These are the characters they have. Do I have a story I can tell with, you know, with that character and then figure it out as opposed to, you know, just carrying around a briefcase full of Wolverine stories. So I, <laughs> I mean, I ended up doing, you know, six, seven years worth of Wolverine stories and certainly developed a lot of affection. And I think um, was able to bring a lot of myself to that character, do a lot of things with that character that I'm really proud of. Um, but it wasn't because I, you know, had, had wanted my whole life to write Wolverine and Thor was the same way. I was not a, not really a huge Thor fan before I, I kind of had the, uh, you know, the thought for the first time, I think I want to write Thor. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think the uh, funny fans confuse sometimes and feel like creators, writers feel the same way about the characters as fans do. And, you know, when I was writing Wolverine in the midst of kind of the schism stuff, everybody was like, why do you hate Cyclops so much? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I I don't hate Cyclops. Wolverine hates Cyclops. <laughs> and I'm the guy writing him, but that doesn't mean I, you know, that I, I don't go around hating any characters. Um, so we're, we are, we're actually big Cyclops defenders. So you can yeah. definitively say that you're a yeah. fan of Cyclops. Then. Yeah, it's okay. No, yeah. Fucking hate, fucking hate that guy. He's <laughs> yes, <laughs> finally. Well, thanks for being on, Jason. Really appreciated it. Get him out of here. I'm so happy. I'm tired. I'm tired of lying. I'm tired of keeping it a secret. Damn right. <laughs> Damn straight. Thank you. You and me, Jason, oh. all the way here. Oh God. Um. What, what about what about uh someone that you I love your pairing of Wolverine and Spider Man. Uh, specifically, oh. Astonishing Wolverine and Spider-Man is one of my favorite books. And uh, oh. every time you've written Spider-Man, it's some of the most memorable stuff. I mean, you wrote the the big AVX issue with Spider-Man, I believe, right? With, yeah. with him fighting uh, Ileana and, uh, and Colossus. And like it, some of the biggest Spider-Man stuff. Like, what, what draws you to that character? And where's your Spider-Man book, man? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, you know, I think I've got a Spider-Man book in me at some point. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I Again, I was not I was not the biggest Spider-Man fan growing up. You know, I I was a DC kid. There was one other guy in my in my small town school who was a comic book guy. He was a Marvel guy. So we were always fighting and arguing about, you know, who's better, X-Men or or Teen Titans. <laughs> and my friend John, and he's a huge he was a huge Spider-Man fan. Um so I he, I I don't know like where my what my idea of Spider-Man comes. I mean, I, certainly I loved Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Like that's oh, that was please. a pivotal pivotal cartoon for me. Um, you know, again, that was that was kind of for me in Marvel, that was my version of the Marvel version of like Crisis and those, you know, that world's finest comic <laughs> that with Spider-Man and his amazing friend kind of introduced me to all these different characters. You know, Marvel mainstays like Thor and the X-Men and Hiawatha Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You say um, mainstays? <laughs> yes. Those big heavy hitters. <laughs> swarm. You got Swarm. Swarm. Oh, yes, yeah. of course. One of the best. Um, I love that. I mean, it's, it's a, 
you look back at it now, terrible fucking show, right? Like, oh, not, yeah. not a, <laughs> not but it's like, it's, it's, it's a about, catchy theme song. It does. It's yeah. about when you discover it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Really like is. that, that nineties X-Men cartoon. Like for me, I was too old for that. So when that came out, I was like, this looks terrible. I don't want to fucking watch this. <laughs> it, it is terrible. <laughs> but I, I feel like, us. I feel like, so many of the editors I work with at Marvel who are of a younger age yeah. got into comics because of that fucking cartoon, right? Yeah. Like right. that cartoon had such a, a big impact on, cause so it's about the age at, you know, which do you, which point you discover it and kind of mm-hmm. how that sparks your interest. So, yeah. So yeah, yeah for me, it was Spider-Man and his amazing friends, but I, I, I do love writing Spider-Man and those stories in particular that you mentioned, the ones I'm really, really proud of. Um, and, and, and yeah, especially, you know, putting Spider-Man in, in situations with Wolverine was really, really fun. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I, the, certainly it's always been a profound thing. Feels like a profound thing to write, to put words in the mouth of Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember the, when I was doing Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider was the first ongoing book I got at Marvel. And I think like a lot of new writers who come in, you feel like, okay, I, I snuck into the party. They're going to figure out pretty quick. I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to send me, send yeah. me the fuck home. So I need to, I'm going to write all the characters real quick. Like who can I fucking write? You know, like, like you see so many <laughs> writers do like, can I, who can I stick in this? So there was like two pages in ghostwriter where I don't even remember what had happened, but some big, thing had happened and i did just wanted to do reaction shots of like yeah here's thor responding to it since in dr strange sensing something who i can't even remember who all put it put punisher in there just not giving a shit just like killing the guy it's <laughs> perfect and then there's spider-man and i i feel like i worked an entire day on those like two to one two balloons of dialogue of spider-man dialogue which i'm sure you go back is like nothing special now but at the time i was like oh shit i'm writing dialogue for spider-man you know like yeah. back in those days when marvel still sent out physical checks like the check you would get had fucking spider-man, Spider-Man on it, you know? yeah so i remember I one of those as a kid so bad oh it's so great like you know you're so proud to like go ca- take it to the cashier at the <laughs> yeah. do you know who that is right there right. <laughs> are you impressed by this check for two hundred dollars <laughs> can you guess what company i stole this from <laughs> um so yeah i don't i don't know i don't know kind of what who my spider-man is exactly or where the influences that for that come from um i just know it's always anytime i get to write him it feels really important in some sense i mean i think i've never written superman i think someday if i get to write superman i think it'll feel the same way right like holy shit I'm, this is superman you know yeah i wrote uh, i wrote batman for one panel in the the only thing i've ever written for dc which was a, a penguin sure. one shot yeah, yeah. yeah. Bat- batman's kind of he's he's sort of just a it looks like a shadow and um the the lettering got mixed up or i think they thought that was his shadow so the one balloon i've written for batman is actually pointing off panel not to <laughs> batman that's kind of cooler actually yeah it actually is 
uh, you mentioned Superman. I, I actually wanted to ask you about that. Uh, uh, we, uh, going through this run of Thor, uh, we compared a lot of similarities of spy, uh, of Superman to, to Thor in this book that you did, like uh, comparing the man God to uh, Doomsday a lot and um, a lot of the, uh, the, the dynamic between, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 Foster and uh, and Thor are very much like Lois Lane and Superman. Uh, you you mentioned doing interest in, in Superman. Would you apply the same elements? What would you do for for a Superman Superman run? Oh, you want me give me give me? You want me to give you my Superman pitch? Is I mean, don't give us don't give us a pitch. <laughs> don't feel pressured. Of yeah, course, right. we'd love it, but oh, don't yeah. feel pressured. Exactly. We, we open on Metropolis. Yes. Oh. Right. I'm writing this down. Every, every good word. Um, no, I mean, I get what you're saying. I mean, the um, yeah, I mean, there might have been some Superman thoughts in my swirling in my brain when I was first trying to figure out Thor. You know, I, I'd, I'd yeah. say I'd, I'd certainly, certainly read more Superman comics than I had Thor comics by that mm -hmm. point. But mm -hmm. um, again, when I got the Thor gig, you know, I, I, I sat down and started reading. Like I started reading all those Thor books, you know, from the beginning. I'd never read any of those the 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 Kirby Thor. I'd read a lot of our other Kirby stuff, mm -hmm. but for whatever reason. I'd never read Thor. And by the time I got to that first Mangog story, I was Hell like, oh, yeah. holy shit. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's even better than I thought it was. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so I I mean, I don't think I was, I definitely wasn't thinking of Doomsday. I mean, I was I was thinking of that original, um, you know, Lee Kirby Mangog story, which is yeah. so fucking great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's some of my, that to me, like feels like one of Kirby's high points. That kind of whole period yeah. there, there's a bunch of cool Galactus stuff. Um, it felt like that was Kirby firing on all cylinders there. So, I mean, really for me with Thor, like I started thinking of it as I want to do dark Kirby, you know? I don't know how much that comes across with that original 12 issue story, the God Butcher stuff, but yeah. that was that was my, that was what it was in my head. Um, cool. yeah. I can like, absolutely see that with like the designs of especially like I mean just the the Sky Palace of Indigo. Yeah. Like that's yeah, a very yeah. Kirby-esque. Yeah, of Infinite City and mm -hmm. all even all those uh, ideas there, kind of like the infinite library and stuff. It's yeah, that's right. it. Yeah, I just I wanted to go big and crazy and cosmic, um, but also you know, dark and horror-tinged and um you know, yes, having Esad certainly helps, and the Esad can fucking draw anything. <laughs> yeah, can you tell him to stop? He's too good. Uh, <laughs> sure, he's a uh, he's a big bear of a man. I don't think he's he's gonna I can tell, <laughs> can tell him to do anything. <laughs> yeah, we, we've we've said reading through going through the book club that nobody draws a surprised face quite like Asad. <sighs> it's the <laughs> best surprise faces in comics. Really, yeah. I can picture one of those surprise faces as you say that yeah. immediately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, okay, which one is the one that comes to your mind? I'm very curious. I don't know if it's one in particular, but I can just picture exactly oh. what you're talking about you know i always picture thor getting like the papers from the rocks on lawyers yes <laughs> like that's that's always the what? reaction <laughs> <laughs> well look you know it's always a scary 
thing when you have Roxxon lawyers showing up signing the papers. God. I think it's that thing is more Mangog is one thing, but fucking Roxxon yeah. lawyers. But Roxxon lawyers? Oh yeah. <laughs> no way. It will fuck your shit up. <laughs> yes. So I guess we should dive. I, I guess we should talk a little bit about Thor. Um, <laughs> Have you heard of Thor? <laughs> yeah. This character. What are your opinions on that? Um, I, I've we've had a question for a little while ever since we read it. Um, you mentioned in your goodbye to the series that you originally weren't penciled in for Thor when you were getting ready to uh to start that new era of marvel can you say who you were supposed to who you were kind of penciled in for i had been penciled in for a while to do captain america i was oh. gonna oh all right wow. oh, wait, did you guys have bets oh wait so we long. did we did i i called captain america because yeah. i have loved your voice for captain america every single time he pops up. yeah oh thanks what so what were the bets who what were the picks there, there weren't specific bets, but we, we kind of just, Eric had brought up Captain America, and we're like, oh, that, that might have been it. <laughs> yeah, that might I might have cool. thought that was going to be like Spider-Man or something. Uh, I but... think Malcolm brought up Iron Man. As and well. Iron Man, yeah. That was the other one, yeah. Well, yeah, I, um, I was going to take over Cap from Brubaker, which, oh, looking I... back, was like, what a terrible idea. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because right around All that right. time is when you're doing the ultimate cat mini, which I love. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 yeah with right. uh, with Garney, which mm-hmm. I, I love that four issue so mini good. series. I think it's Thanks. one of the best Thanks. cat stories in the 21st century. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, that was that was really fun. Yeah. You know, very different kind of, you know, more of an asshole cat. But yeah, I, but I, I liked I, writing that. I Thanks. think that's the right take on him too. I, I think that um, the way you did it kind of blended the six one six cap and ultimate cap in a really good way. Thanks. That's, that's cool, man. That was that's fun. Really interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, of course, I'm a huge fan of what it did. Like at the time, it was my favorite thing at Marvel, and I felt like it, you know, was the best writer in comics in that period. Still, one of the best writers in comics. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and I and. And you know, like, thought, oh yeah, I want to, I want to follow that. I want to try to follow that and and do something. And um, you know, then then kind of in the midst of Marvel now, everything was up for grabs, right? Like all the yeah. books were changing hands. So then it, yeah. it was a question of like, well, do I still want to do Cap or do I want to do something different? And I kind of realized, I think I want to do Thor, you know, which I'd never thought I'd never had before. Um, but I've talked before about how much I enjoyed Matt Fraction's Ages of Thunder one shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Matt Matt kind of helped open the door for me of like, oh, okay, suddenly I could picture like, all right, I think I understand, you know, what I would do with Thor and think that could be really fun. Um, so I, I decided I wanted to do Thor and I, you know, I'd still like it would have been terrifying and intimidating to follow it on Cap, but I mean, it was intimidating to follow Garth Ennis on Punisher Max, oh, Punisher, but I was right. yeah. excited to do that. I don't know what I had ideas for Cap at the time, um, you know, and I the and I, I really dug what what Rick Remender did on on Cap. Um, yeah, you know, that was kind of the run that gave us uh, Sam as as Cap. Mm-hmm. I think he did did really great stuff, and and yeah, you know, Rick's run is awesome smartly tried to 
you can't just do more of Ed, right? Like you had to kind of go in a different direction. Right. So yeah, he also brought the Kirby to it. It's especially that dimension. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Kirby. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so yeah. And we did get a little bit uh, recently of you uh, writing Cap. We were actually talking about this uh, earlier today uh, with your Avengers Forever uh, series issue oh, sure, seven. Yeah. With you got the, a bunch of caps. Yeah, yeah lots of dude. We, that issue ripped so <laughs> yeah, hard. We were, <laughs> we were talking about it. We were just like, "Is this one of the best Captain America stories?" Yeah, it drives. It drives <laughs> it real hard. <laughs> Thanks. Well, if you like that, I don't. If, I don't know if you've read just came out this week yes this uh, thor issue i haven't yes. read it yet i have it's next in my pile and i'm so excited to <laughs> yeah i i would i would love to ask you what your inspiration behind doing some of these characters and i mean i guess avengers forever in general and yeah. i have it in my notes here the coolest thor of all time yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> the um yeah i'm really proud i'm really proud of this whole arc but that issue in particular um, I thought came together really well and Aaron Cooter's doing like, you know, so his great. stuff looks even better than ever in particular <laughs> on that, on that so um, Thor issue. And then the next issue might be even better looking than that. And so that's the Carol one, right? It is. Yeah. And, and yeah. Um, I had a lot of, a lot of fun with that. So, I, you know, I don't know, like, I think in terms of the inspiration for Avengers forever, I think I, I, I figured out pretty quickly in my Avengers stuff. I wanted to do a bunch of crazy multiverse um, shenanigans and it's been that off into its own book. So Avengers forever is kind of just the chance to do um, any character, you know, that, that I want uh, different versions of them. So this arc and, you know, in particular is called the pillars. So it's kind of, you know, looking at, uh, one version or multiple versions of kind of Avengers mainstays, you know, from across the multiverse. So the first issue was, um, uh, you know, a very different kind of version of T'Challa than we had seen before. Yeah. And the vibranium man. Right. <laughs> yeah. Basically. And then, yeah. then, yeah, then we did, you know, prison of the Steves and Thor and Carol. And um, I guess that was the, yeah, the, there's a the Tony Stark one's been solicited. Yeah, the intervention episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you just have to wait and see. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of you know the in terms of how many pillars there are and who who else might be on the list, you'll have to wait and see. But and that's cool. And these are not characters who just kind of pop up and disappear. Like it's very much about building you know a, a, a different sort of group of avengers as we lead into avengers assemble what you know was just recently announced right. kicking off kicking off with a huge uh, brian hitch hitch yeah um issue so that you know with that like i kind of take take everything i've been doing with the modern avengers the prehistoric avengers and then all these crazy avengers forever character and characters and you know throw them all into the pot together so did you have a specific, like, was there a specific idea in mind when you were like, I want a Thor that punches really good? Because, like, I'm a big fan of punching stuff, like, characters that punch things. And sure. I, I, I love Thor, Iron Fist. I'm a huge fan of as well. Really excited that Iron Fist is now Asian, and I'm really stoked about that. Oh, yeah. But yeah. did, did you have a specific, like, I want a Thor who specifically, like, goes to Kunlun and all this stuff? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it started just with the idea of okay, this is a Thor who's who's not worthy. You know, some of I'm dealing with a lot of Thor hammers in Avengers Forever. You know, we've seen <laughs> there were different hammers kind of right out of the the gate in the first issue of that. There's I did a one of those Infinity comics and that dealt yeah. with different Thor hammers. We kind of clears a lot about hammers, so I just started <laughs> thinking about okay, this is a Thor who is not just a Thor who's swinging a hammer, so he's unworthy. He he, he can't lift his hammer. So he just gets mad and starts fucking punching it, you know. <laughs> it's like and I was that, like, "Is this the most relatable Thor?" <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I I I grew up watching uh, kung fu movies on on Saturdays, yeah. and it, you know, all the kind of, you know, like the, I mean, shit. Like a, now that I'm talking about it, like you can actually see <laughs> kung fu movie moments in a couple of issues over the course of this art (laughs) yeah the idea that you it's kind of the training you would go through right like you're you're punching rocks and breaking rocks with your fist and and the thor's training is punching this fucking unbreakable hammer um that not only is it not just that he can't pick it up but the hammer is like fucking won't leave him alone you know (laughs) yeah it also floats around like it's taunting him like hey here i am (laughs) don't you wish you could pick me up and do cool shit it's taunting the whole time yeah so it might you know maybe it's the hint that the hammer is an asshole in this universe or maybe the hammer is also helping help still helping thor become the version of thor that he needs to be be. that's cool so yeah so you mentioned in Avengers Assemble this November that you're going to be bringing together like the modern team, the Avengers Forever team, and the prehistoric team. Um, we've seen you kind of sprinkling in the prehistoric Avengers like throughout the Thor run into your Avengers run. Uh, and I want to ask, did you... Because at certain points, like I think in the original, like one of the original stories that featured like the prehistoric like Hulk style character it kind of uh showed these cave drawings that may have like hinted at thor leading his own prehistoric team was that kind of the plan or was it always the idea that odin had this team so what what you're talking about yeah when i did when i was doing thor there was the point where you introduced like this um uh the hulked out viking character yeah Mm -hmm. and then yeah there was cave drawings that kind of showed it was more oh. like a, a Viking Age version of the Avengers, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that kind of grew into what I was started doing in Avengers. Like initially, that was just an idea for Thor, where it kind of tease those characters, and maybe eventually, you know, would do a Thor and his Viking Avengers story. Then I started doing Avengers, and that kind of morphed into like, no, let's go back even further and do, you know, the basically the very first defenders of the marvel universe right of the marvel earth like the earliest version of the legacy characters and it's kind of the time you know marvel legacy was the new um initiative we were doing and i did a marvel legacy one shot so that seemed like a great time to introduce prehistoric versions of these characters so yeah that kind of one thing kind of grew into the other but i you know, we have seen those Viking Age Avengers tease a couple of times. We do mm-hmm. see them in an issue of Avengers. Is that right? Yeah. Sometimes 
as Avengers and Avengers Forever are colliding together, I forget <laughs> like which issue of which. But yeah, I think it's coming up in an issue of Avengers. We get another little cool glimpse nice. and learn learn a little more. It was a it's a brief glimpse. It's not a whole issue or anything, but we do learn, you know, who are those characters that we've kind of glimpsed before? What are their names? We'd learn a little cool. bit more about them even the, over the course of a, a brief. Um, so I, I, you know, th- that's kind of it. That that's right. all the room they got in terms of <laughs> what I have coming up for Avengers. Um, but you do you do get to see them again. So kind of close that circle a little bit, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. And there's there, there's one more team that you've also kind of featured heavily in your Avengers run. It's a fa- it's a personal favorite of mine. It's Squadron Supreme. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there was there a reason that you wanted to bring them in? Is there something about them that you were like, I gotta have them in my, I gotta have focus on them. I gotta bring them in for Heroes Reborn, that kind of thing. I, I you know, I just like the idea of bringing them back as bad guys, right? Yeah. Bad guys for the Avengers and doing yeah. doing a kind of darker take um, on the Squadron. You know, them becoming very much the Squadron Supreme of America, right? Yeah. Like, so. <laughs> setting up they don't give a shit what you're doing in canada or mexico I, right? yeah, like, it's, yeah like literally is so good <laughs> <laughs> like literally they chase frost giants to the canadian border yep. and are yeah. like, that, like all right you're good you're all right now their alpha <laughs> flights problem <laughs> we're we, america's it, heroes right, we did our job good job guys it, it was squirrel girl's problem actually yeah yeah those are yeah, those squirrel girl tie-ins are really fucking good. Too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it was safe to know that those were my favorite part of the when we were reading going over War of the Realms. We had to pick like uh, a tie-in that we both that we all three of us like favorited, and mine yeah. was definitely the squirrel girl like tie-in. Yeah. That was just that's great. a solid choice. I was I was really happy that 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 happened. <laughs> that, that, that there was a squirrel girl tie-in. Um, yeah, we. Yeah, I mean, that was a great book to begin with, let alone even when it wasn't, you know, hundred um, percent War of the Realms. Yeah, we and we each like what we've talked before about like how much we loved War of the Realms as an event, just because it felt big time. It felt yeah. like everybody was involved, and it's sometimes like we come across events that you kind of feel like don't move the needle as much like people aren't referencing them it's like oh yeah that you know you get the little like editor's box of like yeah this is also going on but like the war of the realms like we loved because of all the involvement with everybody like jacob had the squirrel girl tie-in i had the uh i specifically picked the the superior spider-man and west coast avengers tie-in where they joined up and then malcolm obviously had to rant and rave about how good uh strike force land of the giants was cool yeah yeah, yeah. i mean I, I i i get what you're saying i it, certainly it was fun to do um a, a, a story that big i mean war of the realms was was going to happen one way or the other right yeah. like it was what <laughs> my thor stuff was building to, was so when i would talk about it in the room yeah. i didn't go into the marvel retreat saying okay, guys, we're going to get to this point in my story and it's going to, you know, I want to do a giant crossover that ties in the Squirrel Girl and and 20 <laughs> other books. I'm just saying, this is the story I want to tell. Whether I'm just telling that in the pages of Thor or whether we're doing a book called War of the Realms or whether that's a book that has other things tying into it. Yeah. That's not, that's, I don't pitch my stories based on that. Yeah. 
certainly when it when marvel says hey you know we want to make this a bigger thing um i say okay and then we talk about how to do that you're right it does give the sense of like hey this is a big fucking story yeah you know i mean like when we did when jonathan was doing secret wars and we get right. to the point where we're like hey everybody's book is canceled you know like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah everything ends and then we come back from that you know yeah. that drives home of like hey you, you know you have to read this book so at the same time you know like what i the kind of stuff i wanted to do in in adventures is to each arc should feel like an event right like an event uh, level threat yes. but yeah. doesn't mean we have to reflect that like you don't need to go read three other books like you right. can just read this one so it's a line like you know um yes you want to do something that feels big and weighty and affects the universe but at the same time you know people uh talk about getting tired of there being too many events and tired of like well if i want to read the story i also have to read these 10 other books so yeah. i think we also have to be used to you know like reading a story that doesn't tie into a bunch of other stuff that can still feel big and, and weighty and important i mean i remember you know, when I was reading New Teen Titans, when that was my favorite book, and when they relaunched doing the like the new uh, prestige format series, yeah, right? And they did that big, the big Trigon story, right? Like yeah. Trigon came and took over the the planet, you know. And there were like there were, there were a couple of images where you saw some of the other DC heroes like kind of talk caught in Trigon's web, yeah. But you didn't. I didn't need to see that. You know, I didn't need red sky tie-ins like they did with Crisis, right? Like I didn't need to see that. (laughs) That felt big and important and profound to me, just contained within that one book. So I, I think we've lost some of that because we have trained people to, like, to to feel like, well, this is not big and important because it doesn't have tie-ins or it's not an event book or Hmm. you know it doesn't have all that stuff that comes with it. So, I mean, I've done both. I've done books you know again like most of my thor leading up to that point it didn't tie in or connect to anything right like right, it was yeah. very much off in its own corner yeah of, of the marvel universe and and so I've, I've done both i've done things that function best alone and i've done those big um big crossovers um oh i just think there's there's no perfect answer to that we just have to um enjoy stories for what they are right like regardless Absolutely. of the right. of the trappings around them for sure and you mentioned you mentioned secret wars i just want to kind of get into your time specifically uh thors we adore we're all huge fans of ultimate thor and yeah, yeah. it was really cool to see him come back for this and then to see kind of his hammer be a driving force in the rest of your run did you have any kind of do you have like any affinity towards ultimate thor uh was there a thought process on making that hammer as important as it was in your run i I mean you know certainly i loved i loved um the ultimates you know by by mark and brian with with phenomenal phenomenal book um i mean i and the 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 secret wars retreats we did were incredibly fun like some of the most fun retreats we've had because really everybody came in where it's like your book's canceled forget (laughs) whatever you were doing (laughs) and let's all focus on this and make up a bunch of new new. shit you know and so jonathan you know it's part of his plan he already knew like okay that the thors are going to kind of be the cops 
right? They're like they're like Doom's police for for Battle World. So I was like, well, I want to do that book, like whatever that book is. <laughs> uh, and I loved uh, a, the Homicide Life on the Street was a incredibly important show for me. That's kind of my hell yeah. In terms of cop shows, like that's my <laughs> go to. That's yeah, man. So, so I was like, I want to do Homicide, but with Thor's and Loki, you know. So the right, it's just the the big scene would be Thor getting Loki in the box, you know, like Andre Brower. <laughs> yes. Okay, so it's Ultimate Thor, Andre Brower. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, that's awesome. But, but, but Loki, Loki as as Chris Rock, you know, from the <laughs> Oh, you do roll Homicide. <laughs> um. And then the hammer, I mean, as part of what we were talking about with, okay, we're, you know, we're crashing together the Marvel universe and the ultimate and all these, this other stuff. Like what, one of the questions is what do we want to get out of that? Right. Mm -hmm. Certainly Miles Morales was the The number one one, on the list, but then it's like, okay, what, what else? And so, and I was like, well, you know, I'll take the, I'll take a Thor hammer. Like, give me, give me ultimate Thor's hammer. And I think I already kind of knew, like, oh, I can work with, I can, you know, I had an idea for kind of the War Thor story. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, cool. So a lot of it was just like, let's get something out of this, you know, so it's not just a throwaway. Um, and then I was also trying to kind of, you know, again, have fun with the idea of Thor's as cops, but also write some kind of send off for the the ultimate Thor character. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, the um that that led into the War Thor, and then of course that hammer also led into Jane Foster becoming uh, Valkyrie, becoming yeah. becoming Thor the again, and then becoming Valkyrie. Yeah. Uh, so was was Volstag always the choice for the War Thor? Were there any other candidates? I, I, not that I remember. I don't think there were. I mean, I liked the idea of of uh, like I loved writing Volstag. Yeah, you know, I hope it shows. I had a lot of fun. Absolutely, he was yeah. probably my favorite. Oh, yeah. Not just you know, um, j- just the the jokes about how much he eats and how big his <laughs> breakfast is, but also you know he's like I think he shows a lot of heart too. He's the heart, right. and he you know he's a great dad. Like there's a lot to love about Volstagg. So the idea of taking that guy and pushing him so far that he becomes this darker version of Thor, uh, you know, I thought was really interesting. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty sure it was always it was always Volstagg. Yeah, we we talked about in our Valkyrie episode that my favorite battle cry that I've ever read is I I haven't even had breakfast yet as Volstagg <laughs> runs and starts attacking. <laughs> like just as that is a cry, like I think it's just the greatest moment. <laughs> what yeah, what where where did I write that? What was that in? It was uh, uh it was I, I believe it was the, during the last arc when the the great darkness was coming for uh, for Asgard, and oh, yeah, I believe yeah, it was uh, Volstagg was basically rallying the other Asgardians yeah. as yeah. Jane. Was this? Oh, right, this was in Valkyrie, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I mean, with 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 Valkyrie, most of what you read, like especially those those early issues, those for the most part, that's Al Ewing, Al. right? Like I. Mm. The Valkyrie setup for Valkyrie was my idea, and I had some, you know, the especially that first arc. I was like, "Well, let's bring in Bullseye." And yeah. It was mostly Al, especially as it went on. Like it was, it was very much Al. And then in the stuff with with Torin and I, we'd kind of 
talk about it and plot it together and then she'd write it and I'd come like, you know, she'd say what, you know, help me with this page or I'd just sprinkle stuff in here and there. So that was definitely a line I wrote. <laughs> that was <definitely laughs> perfect. That was perfect. definitely me. <laughs> Most of the, I mean, the all the the best stuff in those stories, the the heart, the great lines. That's all Turin, and I come in with the, like a dumb Volstag line. <laughs> I mean, she's she's um, she's so fucking good. Um, like I'm I'm really happy to see her doing doing more and more stuff yeah. yeah bringing up the torch with the jane mighty thor stuff with the jane foster and the mighty thor book right, right? yeah she did yeah. she did like a warhammer mini series which i i didn't know what the fuck warhammer yeah. was but <laughs> yeah she did like, the, the battle Angel series right yeah, yeah it's really good yeah she did i think there's just yeah. like a captain marvel annual and mm-hmm. you know she's doing the punisher one shots um, yeah yeah she's really great so then going from, from kind of the end of the, your time back to the beginning, uh, in the God Butcher story, what gave you the idea for like a multi-Thor story to kick off your run? Because we were all big Doctor Who nerds and we we're like, oh man, this is like a multi-Doctor story. It's like bringing <laughs> in these three generations of Thor. And we it was really cool and we hadn't really seen something like that before. Was that always like kind of your idea and... Yeah, I you know I um I I did not grow up watching Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. One of the first episodes of Doctor Who I watched was um, the one where it was like it was Matt Smith and David Tennant. Yeah, together and, and, they, and the and the, the War Doctor, right? Yeah, yeah. that big 50th yeah. anniversary. Yeah. That's specifically the one that we always bring up. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> just like because he got your grumpy exactly old man. Like yeah. So I. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't remember at what point I watched that in the midst of writing Thor, but I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, <laughs> also, so you did watch that during that. Oh, that's did. so cool. And that okay. was, I mean, I feel like that was the, for whatever reason, that was like one of the first episodes I saw. I was like, this is really good. Yeah, it was a big like anniversary <laughs> special. It, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a good one. So I have, I've, <laughs> like, I've, I've watched Doctor Who since then. You know, like it's made that, that episode made me a Doctor Who fan. Clearly, Ooh. it was speaking my language. Yeah. Who, who's your doctor? Yeah, I was going to ask. Well, that like, I, I mean, I, of course, I, I mean, I haven't gone back and watched everything. I couldn't. Right. That, yeah. that, Chris, that Christopher Eccleston season, I'm like, oh, shit, this is terrible. Like, if I had started. No! Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do it. That's I couldn't awesome. do it. You're breaking <laughs> my heart. You're killing so us. <laughs> That's so good. I love it. So, I mean, I, 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 I love David Tennant. Like, he, he, I mean, I think he would probably be my favorite. Nice. I mean, I really liked Peter Capaldi. I thought Capaldi yeah, did Jacob. like yeah. a nice yeah. job of like he seemed fucking scary to me at times. Yeah. Right? yeah. In a way that oh. he should. Like I, I like like Matt Smith. There was never a point where I was scared of Matt Smith, right? <laughs> no, he's not yeah. the scary one. Right. That's, that's but why. Capaldi was like, oh, this Capaldi's, guy's yeah. yeah, this guy's got some creepiness and scary that I really, I really liked. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think he's he's um, um, you know sort of disrespected or, or underappreciated as a doctor. I agree. Sure. But, <laughs> I think we absolutely. all agree, actually. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of Thor, I mean, I think a, really a lot of that idea—the idea of of doing the different versions—I mean, it came from 
you know, I wanted to lean into and show like what makes Thor interesting, right? Like mm. to put on the page, why should you give a shit about this character? What makes him different from everybody else? And so it's that like the big part of that was, well, he's a God. What does that mean? And how does that make him different from Spider-Man? And so I leaned into the idea of, well, he's been around a long time. So you could do a story that spans, you know, an untold number of years. So we'd see these different, version you know, i like love the idea of doing young unworthy rowdy viking age thor in the yeah. present day and then going way way into the future so i think a lot of that as i look back at it came from me growing up reading loving robert e howard's conan stories and mm. yes. how um if you haven't read those you know like his original stories the way they were published the way he wrote them the way he read them like they were not in chrono any sort of chronological order right like the oh, first yeah. conan story published was a king conan story mm-hmm. and then yeah. you'd go back and see this guy as a you know a young man as a yeah, thief yep. and then he was yeah. a pirate and then he was a soldier yeah. and so he'd lived this epic life where he went to all these different you know crazy mystical lands and was all these different kind of um jobs and, and personas and so I, again, I was sort of like when I found that world's finest comic and when I started reading Crisis, like reading Conan, it's like you're reading not just about one guy, but about like all these different versions of that guy. Yeah. So I think when I was thinking about Thor, it was that same way of like, well, he's going to be this rowdy kid. You know, he's going to be an Avenger. He's going to be a grumpy old um, king in the far future, you know, who's turned into his dad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it went back to Conan to the to the point where when I finally got the chance to write Conan, my first Conan the Barbarian <laughs> arc, I was like, "Well, shit, what do I do now?" Because like, yeah. I, I did my Conan. Story. <laughs> I did. It's like, I would, so with that, I had to go bigger. Like instead of just three versions, we're going to see like twelve versions. Yeah, all of them. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we uh, we really enjoyed the second arc after god butcher bringing in the league of realms really kind of sowing the seeds for the war of the realms and we actually i I know you mentioned you had no idea what warhammer was uh we we were really inspired reading that arc specifically by uh dnd dungeons and dragons and we're like yeah i built out a party he sent them off into like a fantasy land (laughs) um what was that was what was your kind of thought process behind like establishing those realms and kind of building up that that dungeon party to go into this into this conflict yeah i mean you know the um my my knowledge of dungeons and dragons is it's pretty much non-existent again i grew up in a small town i had there was one other nerd i was friends with i I didn't have enough people to play dungeons and dragons (laughs) i've never played in my life i loved the dungeons and dragons saturday morning cartoon where the kids get yes that That cartoon has not aged well but it's amazing no i'm sure it hasn't (laughs) it was so i loved it so much um so i mean it really came from again the idea of sort of like with the first arc of like okay what makes thor special like show it right don't assume people know it that they come here invested and know what makes them cool like you have to show it so the first thing you got to figure out when you become a thor writer is like okay how many realms are there and what are the fucking realms (laughs) (laughs) i did when i got the gig i was like i don't know you know 
which where do the frost giants live and which one's on fire <laughs> <laughs> so it's like okay let me figure out which ones are which and then they will look at the way those have been portrayed over the years in the comics and have been right. inconsistent you know yeah. like um as to what each one looks like in terms of who lives there who's from there yeah. so i said okay well this is this is one of the things that sets thor apart right is this is the beat he walks as a hero he goes to all these other realms so we need to do the world building of showing you know what those are like and the same you know i'd love the the uh, game of thrones books um song of ice and fire because yeah. george R. R. martin mm-hmm. is so good at world building you know uh, I mean, mostly through food. Like, I feel like half of those books. <laughs> yes. so true. Very wow. much so. Yeah. Half of it's descriptions of what they eat for breakfast, yeah. but it does, yeah. it does yes. give you, you know, it tells you how Winterfell's different from King's Landing, right, and yeah. all these other places. So, we just wanted to do right. We wanted to do the the world building for the other realms. So I thought, well, how do we do that? We bring these characters together and bring Malekith in as a bad guy, and then kind of knew right away like okay we're going to build towards a big war that'll take us you know the journey towards that will take us from one realm to the next um in some way or another and you know when we did like I, i'm pretty sure i went to every one of them over the course yeah. of my run multiple times um right fuck most most of them up and <laughs> set them on fire and, <laughs> and then kind of knew always knew like okay when we get to the war of the realms proper it'll be when it comes to you know, Midtown Manhattan, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was really that just to sort of, for me as a writer to, to flesh out, you know, what those realms are, what they look like, who lives there, are they good guys, the bad guys, what do they yeah. eat for breakfast? You know, the <laughs> most important, you have important for each, each realm. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and I, you know, my, in my, um, somewhere here, I've still got my notebook of Thor ideas and they're probably, four or five pages that are just dwarf names like dwarf names were fun to come up with Swagbeard, tooth man like they're all the most metal names possible so i'm sure that at the end of this you'll have to give each of us a name oh wow oh jeez <laughs> give us some time to think about it yeah you give us some time yeah. <laughs> so i do want to ask though what was your is there what drew you to malekith as like the big bad as the villain because like there's I mean, everybody talks about, you know, Loki and like, obviously the Mangog's a big heavy hitter. Was there something about Malekith that made you go, this is the guy? Well, I mean, we knew he was going to be the bad guy in the movie coming up. So that was definitely right, part right. of part of the thinking. So then it was the question of, I mean, Marvel never comes to you and says, hey, this guy's going to be in the movie. You have to, to use it. They haven't done that to me. Yeah. Good. Usually they will say, <laughs> Hey, this is going to be in the movie, so you know if you want to do this, you know you can't. It would probably be. Um, so it's like there's a question of okay, do I want to do something with Malekith? Like what what would be my take on him? You know, I did love all those Simonson stories. Those are really like the only Thor stories I had read growing up. Oh, yeah. um, that makes sense. And so I thought, yeah, I mean, I, I thought I can do something with Malekith. I could use him to kind of be the catalyst for this war and do like a darker, creepier version of him you know make him kind of the joker to to thor's batman um Hmm. in a darker and creepier way than you know certainly loki was um so yeah it was really that awesome and then uh another character that i think we all collectively like fell in love with around that time as well ross solomon 
Um, oh, we the are best. Huge yeah. fans of Roz. We're huge um, Roz fans. Yeah. Was there? Can you tell us a little bit about like what the thought process was going into her her creation? Was there any? You know, did you have any influences you had for her? And do you have any like any stories you believe there are still left to tell with the character? Uh, maybe. I mean, the, in terms of influence influences, you know, she's named she's named for um, Jack Kirby's wife, and then Stan Lee's mother's maiden name, you know, was Solomon. So, she was oh like, wow, oh, cool. Did, to, did not know that. I didn't Jack. know the Solomon, but yeah. I thought maybe with the Roz. That's so cool. That's so um, cool. And then I, you know, it came from that was issue twelve, issue mm-hmm. twelve of Thor: God of Thunder, which was the issue yeah. where I was gonna. I wanted to show for for me as a you know writing the book as an atheist somebody who grew up with religion but has been an atheist for i guess now most of my life that was an issue where i was like again the whole book was about me leaning into the idea of him as a god right. so what does that mean and with that issue i'm showing this is you know this is the kind of god i would like to believe in right yeah. like mm-hmm. this is Thor showing how it should be done in terms of the way he interacts with people and cares about people. You know, we see him going to visit this guy who's on death row, who's about to be executed. And we see him mm-hmm. hanging out with, with um, people of different religious faiths and the connection mm-hmm. he has to them. And then, and then part of that, we see him, you know, like famous people do, he responds to a, a request to, to take yeah. <laughs> right this the a lady invites him to be her her um guest at like the shield cadets ball right mm-hmm. and right and he shows up and that so that uh, you know i wanted to kind of introduce a new love interest and i liked the idea of of introducing a different kind of shield agent and that she's you know like an environmentalist a shield environmentalist yeah um and then yeah i kind of went from there i mean i didn't know you know when i first introduced her that she would wind up you know i i I would make her the person that most people were suspecting was the new thor like i didn't (laughs) but she was certainly always fun to write and getting you know it's always good to get an entry-level character in there like she's someone who's she just graduated just become a shield agent she's never done this shit before you know she's never fault trolls before she's never shot anything so getting to see her deal with all this stuff and deal with thor you know for the first time was was always a lot of fun now was she ever considered to because because you you laid it on real thick during the during your initial uh jane foster thor storyline of like you know, it could be anybody. It could be this person, could be this person. And then by the time we get to near the reveal, it's like, okay, we're pretty, we're pretty sure it's Roz, but we'll see. Was there any thought of giving her that role? Because that would have been a huge push onto somebody who is that new as a character, or was it always going to be Jane? It was always going to be Jane. I mean, I, I decided pretty quickly Roz would be the main red herring. You know, nice. like I, I thought she was the one most people would think. I mean, I did when I wrote the scene, you know, Thor's walking around with literally he's got a list, right? He's got the legal pad and he's like, it's what's so right? <laughs> and he goes to see Jane and sees what state she's in as she's dealing with her, her cancer and Thor crosses her off the list. So I thought 
as soon as I did that, I thought everybody's going to know, right? It's going to be so obvious. Everybody's going to know, oh, shit, it's got to be her. But I think a lot of people still, you know, thought it was Roz or held out hope that it was Roz. Yeah, I was one of those. I thought it was Roz. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But the the idea, I mean, the again, the cancer was the important part of the equation there, right? right? Because the idea was never just, oh, to do a surprise of who is Thor. Oh, it's this person. The, I mean, my original pitch for um, Jane Foster Thor was about the, the situation we would get to after Secret Wars, right? Like that she's got cancer. Mm, she's yeah. she's becoming Thor because there has to be a Thor and that, that and it's killing her. transformation is killing her. That, that was the meat yeah. of it. The reason we did the tease of, you know, the mystery is because because Secret Wars. Secret Wars was canceling my book. You know, like we were canceling. <laughs> like you knew, we knew, okay, we've got however many months before we get to Secret Wars, everything goes away and then we come back. So I, I thought, okay, well, that, that gives us time to just play with the, the mystery of it, right? Yeah. But knowing all along, the meat of the story is what comes after. That was a part of, I mean, I had a lot of fun playing with all that. <laughs> Yeah. But I knew, like, I really just want to get to that part. So it was never just about, you know, well, who would be the most surprising or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was, uh, I, I knew I had a very specific story I wanted to to tell with Jane. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I did, I, you know, I, I, I liked writing Jane and Roz together, too. Like, it was, yeah. it was a lot of fun to have them both together. Oh, yeah. They were great together. And I will say from that first like initial eight issues, like we all talked about how much we loved the thought bubbles because you don't see them very often Thanks. anymore. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree. I love thought bubbles too. And I think it sucks that we've we've kind of, um, you know, we look at them as sort of old fashioned these days because yeah, especially that what I was doing there, you know, you'd get her narration you'd get her dialogue and her her thoughts and they all kind of tell you different things and you know thought bubble is different than a a narration caption like it doesn't it's not the same it doesn't thought bubble gives you more immediacy Mm -hmm. you know i think if we're if we're narrating our own life we're doing that in a different way than just a fucking thought that pops in our head right (laughs) we don't communicate to anybody um, so I, I, I like doing those. I, you know, I still, I still pepper them in, uh, here and there when I can. Sure. Pro, yeah. pro thought bubble. I'm glad you, I'm glad. Absolutely. Glad you guys oh, yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah. well, and, and it's set apart too. Cause like you said, like it doesn't often pop up and the, the usage of it, especially in that, like, okay, can we figure out like what voice is this that the thought bubbles are in? Cause that'll, you know, link us to the, to the mystery of like who this person is. And I don't know. I, I love, like you said, the immediacy of it. Cause it's like, it's right. different from writing like a, a narration of like, did that just fucking happen to like a thought bubble of like, did that just fucking happen? Yes. Like it's, there's, there's something about it that also gives it more flavor too. Yeah, I agree. And you know, we, even though we don't, you don't see thought bubbles much anymore in, in comics. Like we all know what that is when we see it. Right. Like yeah. I think even a kid who's reading knows what that is. We'll be able to figure it out immediately. Yeah. Right. So I don't know why. I mean, it's certainly they were overused once upon a time and that was what everything was either dialogue or, um, you know, thought bubbles or like omniscient narrator. Um, but I, I, you know, I think it's a shame. It's one of our, one of our tools we've kind of left rusting in the toolbox, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
So when you decided on the pitch for Jane, like how early was that? Like how early on in the process did you have that pitch for Jane to become Thor? And was the idea of Thor's unworthiness, like how, I guess, how far back did you have that like in mind? I mean, really early, but initially it was an arc, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to really what it wow. became. I mean, an arc really? in terms of Thor being unworthy and somebody else picking up the hammer. And initially I, I thought it would be, it would be Freya. It would be his mom. Ah, ah, nice. We talked about that too. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that idea is just so cool. That's a good yeah. idea. Yeah, that that was me who I thought picked up the hammer. Oh yeah, so, yeah, that was for me. I was hoping it was for well. Her. And there's a lot there, like in terms of she's got so many thoughts about, like you know, this shit is stupid. You know, yeah. like you, yeah. uh, <laughs> you boys spend so much time worrying about this fucking hammer yeah. and whether or not you're worthy. Like, just be fucking worthy. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I loved writing all that <laughs> stuff with her. So yeah, I think the initial days it was. That would be an, an, an arc called Unworthy. Nice. Um, and then just as it went on, you know, like Marvel um, was talking about, like, you know, we'd have this point where we could relaunch the book if we wanted to and kind of do a, uh, um, a new take. And I said, okay, if we're going to do that, then that's like the Unworthy becomes it's more than just a one arc, right? Like right. that becomes, okay, we just do the surprise of, hey, there's this new Thor. And so then right away I knew, well, this is Jane, like Jane's where, but the Freya stuff would have been cool for an arc, but it wasn't, but it wasn't a long-term thing. And I knew with Jane, oh, like I've, this is the story, you know, this is yeah. the long-term story. So again, it's, you know, I think sort of like with the War of the Realm stuff, like we were talking about, like so much of stuff I've done at Marvel, it's a combination of, some ideas are like this is what i had planned out all along right like right the the very ending like the last scene of my thor run i kind of knew that for years you know yeah the the ending of the jane foster story knew that down to the beat for years and years some things you know you change and morph as they go because of um you know you're working for a publishing company you don't just get to tell them exactly how this book is going to be published there are concerns right. beyond that yeah so again sometimes it's Marvel. like right sometimes they come to you and say you know like we're going to do secret wars so you've got eight issues or however many before we get to that point so you have to chain you have to fit your story within what whatever those publishing concerns are and with you know with me over the course of my thor run you're talking about how many different ongoing books and different minis yeah you know a lot um to the point where you kind of have to Google, like, how do I, you know, how do I read this shit? Like, what order do I read yeah. this? In? <laughs> that that yeah. that was a point of contention. We were like, okay, look, this is the reading order. We're gonna yeah. Here. Right. yeah. <laughs> I mean, now you can, you know, they have like the the complete collection trades where you can yeah. get it all together. But even that, like, Jen Grunwald, who who runs the trade department, um, you know, she'll she'll email me like what what order should these be in <laughs> where does generations and like, go <laughs> and i'm like i'm like shit i don't know let me look it up like i, mean, <laughs> I don't remember um so so yeah i mean that's that is what it is right that's one of the the, the i think challenges of doing uh, mainstream ongoing comics is that yeah. it's not like the old days you know where 
my run on Thor would have just been, you know, 602 through 702 or whatever. Like it's, right. it's spread across <laughs> all these different books. Um, so, you, you know, it's like anything you do, you do long-term there, you're going to have to roll with a lot of those different punches and right. figure things out on the fly. So it's, again, it's a mixture of stuff I had figured out um, in advance and stuff that that happened as we went like I've a good example is that the end of the death of the mighty Thor arc um one of my f- favorite scenes favorite pages that Russell did is that moment where it's just Jane and Thor and she's throwing the hammer into the sun yeah and Thor is like freaking out like what the fuck did you do you know you just killed yourself and and she takes her helmet off um and so it's really this really tender moment and and then they you know kiss and then she she dies in his arms so that the her taking the helmet off was not in the script but as we were working on it i saw i think it was that the art germ cover where she's taking where she's got the helmet on Mm -hmm. yeah and i was like shit we've never russell and i had never shown her (laughs) without her helmet you know like we had very consciously not had her take the helmet off I think yeah. she had done it in Avengers and other places, but we had never done it. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh fuck, like she's got it. This is the perfect. She does it here. Like we yeah. we didn't have her take her helmet off because we were waiting for this moment, you know. Yeah. But I, so it looks like we planned it for years. <laughs> like that was the plan. Yeah, and that was absolutely mm-hmm. not the case. So I think <laughs> that's amazing. To me, I think writing and creating is always a mix of that of like. You can't just go in without a plan. You can't just right. always write your way through it. You've got to have a plan. You got to have an idea of like what is this story about? Where is it going? But you also got to leave yourself room to, you know, figure shit out as you go and to surprise yourself. For sure. Also, I'm I'm going to get just be fucking worthy on a t-shirt. <laughs> just be fucking worthy jason aaron 2022 that's gonna did be, i say that yeah yes <laughs> but you're saying like yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. just looking oh, like yes. you guys are being dumb right yeah there you go yeah sorry if i'm sorry if i'm cursing too much no like, there is no, no such thing you are all good i don't know about you guys but i have only spoken to like you know three people the last four years so <laughs> <laughs> well you, you're, you're looking to the only two people that i've consistently talked to on a weekly basis yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know what i mean so, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. I, I had i had limited social skills before covid so let alone, <laughs> yeah. let alone these days so I want to ask you, you talked about certain plans and with the uh, Unworthy arc. Uh, one thing that, I mean, I loved Unworthy Thor. It was incredible getting, um, getting that team together. And one of the best parts of it that we were really excited about was having Beta Ray Bill present in the story. And that's really kind of the only time that he shows up during that, during your run. Was there like a reason that Beta Ray Bill was off doing whatever or did you ever have any plans to bring him in outside Wait, of did, you know he he popped up in thor's and died right, right. Like he, <laughs> <laughs> true. yeah yeah so you're saying you Those, hate beta ray bill just as much uh, as wow wow <laughs> they, i mean i did get shit from the guys at the comic book store who love beta ray bill oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> well they've been asking me for years like when are you gonna bring in bill and i'm like oh just wait he's coming and then don't worry (laughs) shows up and fucking dies um no i mean i you know again i love that simonson stuff i think i never i never had a big idea of like 
what do I want to do with this guy? Like, I've loved the stuff that Donnie has done with him in his run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and Donnie, you know, is clearly a, like a huge Beta Ray Bill fan. So I just never, I never had like a big hook um, of what I wanted to do with him. I think it's just why I never really used him much. So with that unworthy story, um, you know, my, my favorite bit in that is actually was Will Moss's suggestion. Will Will was the one, my editor, Will was the one who said, oh, as soon as Bill shows up, he should offer his hammer to Thor. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's fucking great. Yeah, of course he should. Because <laughs> he's his buddy, um, he's his pal. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I loved writing him in that, but I, I, I don't know. He's just one of those characters like I didn't, I didn't have a big plan for him or a big hook for him mm-hmm. beyond just having him show up and you know be cool <laughs> which he was for sure yeah. yeah oh absolutely and so for for long-term plans we we see in war of the realms our our young dumb thor who we affectionately in we, yeah. in, in our book club called fuckboy thor um <laughs> we see <laughs> uh lift mjolnir for the first time to defend Freya, but as I'm sure you know, with time travel shenanigans being how they are, and you mentioned in the first, in the God Butcher story, that they probably don't remember any of the time travel stuff. Do you count that as the first time he lifts Mjolnir, or or is there, like, do you have in mind another time that he first, like, picks up the hammer and really becomes the Thor that we know? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I hadn't really thought of it that way. I mean, I did um, you know, the, the plan was always for me, like, okay, for years, we're going to show this guy trying to pick up the hammer and failing. Right. And it yeah. came, it came from, there was one of the, like the tales of Asgard story stories that Kirby did where we saw kind of Thor, you know, he would do something noble. He'd come back and lift the hammer a little higher. Yeah. Right. So I, I fucking loved that idea. So I wanted to show that of just, Thor's running out like what can I do you know okay let me go fight this dragon run back home shit ah, still can't pick yeah. it all the way up <laughs> he's filling his savings what can I do now him. right exactly yeah. <laughs> so I love that idea he's just trying so hard constantly you know there were so many scenes I wrote of him trying and failing to pick up that hammer and I knew the moment when he does it will be a moment where he's not not even trying to do it not even thinking yeah. about it he's just trying to do the right thing you know fighting somebody and looks down and realize like oh holy shit like he didn't even realize he had it in his hand um and then after that when we see him he goes back home and then yes he's then he's back in his own time then he's looking at the hammer that exact yeah. same hammer that he's tried to pick up so many times before and he's like nah don't need to do that today um so yeah i think you're right i think there probably is that moment later on where he finally Again, in his own time with his own hammer, maybe not even remembering, like you said, the War of the Realms shit where he picks it up for real. But that, you know, didn't I didn't need to show that moment. Like I felt like him kind of learning that lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Even if he kind of forgets part of it, you know, it's still. (laughs) And we talked about like how cool that was for him as an arc of being yeah. so focused on it and finally mm-hmm. that moment of him kind of like letting it go to be like yeah not today yeah. i can be right. you know i can be the avenger thor like later on i've got time right it's just right. such a cool moment uh and so yeah that, that was something i've been like wondering about like because he's i it 
open the door for more stories to be told but also like i feel like you can see that scene of him being like yeah later and you never have to revisit that character again and you can just assume yeah at some point he picks it up he becomes that thor but it was such a cool open-ended ending that i just wanted to say how how much i loved it thanks thanks i appreciate that yeah i was i was really uh, proud of how that all turned out with him we do when we see him like when we see him in avengers with these the viking age avengers he's got the hammer you know he's wielding the hammer by that point um but you know he can't grow up so much because he's still going to wind up being the dumbass thor who got sent (laughs) sent to earth by odin right so it's still but sorry, what were, we, what were you going to say, Malcolm? No, no. Uh, is is there any chance with that uh, Viking Thor little sneak that we're going to see soon? Is there any chance of our collective love for Erica the Red uh, being fulfilled? Oh. We, oh, we we love that character. Oh yeah, <laughs> we love that character. She's, that was, she's uh, dead though, right? Like yeah, a, <laughs> but everybody <laughs> dies. I mean, I mean... <laughs> listen, he's got a little phoenix in him. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he's he's been kissed by the phoenix a little bit. Like, really, it's, you know, something about the color red, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, he and Wolverine no, I mean, have I, more in common than right, he right. <laughs> <laughs> both like there's, the a, there's a love triangle for you. There, there you go. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I you know, I I I I love that that story that the tony yeah. moore drew that issue right drew the yeah. shit out of yeah. it yeah like, that is oh good an incredible like one for the ages mm-hmm. thanks but yeah it, i mean it's meant to be one of those stories you know probably nobody knows nobody remembers her right nobody knows who yeah. she is like thor doesn't talk about that yeah um but just to sort of drive home like you know what the the difficulties he faces as a god you know as, as who he is um and uh, you know how hard it is for him to come down and and develop feelings for people on earth because they're all going to be you know a, a blink in his eye right yeah, but yeah. so the fact that he keeps coming back and doing that i think says a lot about him um and again what makes him a good god because yeah. you know it's the same way like someday steve rogers will be just like like erica the red right and tony right. stark and everybody exactly. solomon and everybody else are going to be gone and you know, I made a point of showing when King Thor in the future is naming, um, yeah, naming things after people who were important to him you yeah. know, from the past. Like he remembers, you know, he remembers all, all that stuff. He may have forgotten the time he traveled through time and fought the God Butcher <laughs> alongside his other <laughs> future and past selves, but he. But he remembers Stephen Jane. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I will say, as as somebody who does play. D and Dungeons and Dragons on a on a weekly basis. That Eric of the Red Story actually had a very big impact on a character that I did about like oh, that yeah? very problem of like you know living too long and not like a, you know not trying to I guess dealing with the the ravages of time as right. it were and how it didn't impact them. But you mentioned your King Thor run. And I and I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Were you always planning on bringing Gore back for that? Uh, I mean, no, I don't think so. I mean, wow. the, I mean, I knew, I, I knew my last story would be a King Thor story, mm-hmm. and it would be like a Power of the Necrosword got 
was always getting passed around from what it goes like to ego and or yeah. goes to Galactus and ego and, and then to Loki. Then to Loki. So I always knew it was it was always bound for Loki. So I always knew I was doing King Thor versus Loki mm-hmm. um, at the end. So I don't think Gore was always a part of that. Some some of that came from you know those gods that Thor brings back to the world without gods at the end of the God bomb story. I always yeah. thought, I always thought those would be, those new gods would be a big part of my run. Um, hmm. But then kind of went off with all the war of the realm stuff after that and never came back to them. So I yeah. realized when we got to King Thor, I'm like, and, and knew that Esad was going to draw it. I'm like, okay, well let's bring those guys back. Yeah. And then it kind of opened the door for me to, think about bringing gore back and giving gore a different kind of ending um Mm -hmm. than just you know having thor chop his head off um so i mean it all together seemed like a nice way to to book in and then it became a different kind of loki story when loki was the bad guy but also right kind of gets a little more uh redeeming moment um you know where he helps keep the universe alive basically right yeah it goes in all-star supermans himself into the sun and yeah right. he starts that we thought it was, yeah we, we thought as as like an ending for a god of stories that made so much so much sense yeah. of him restarting that and kind of being the person that continues the ability for stories to be told it's a really cool ending for him right thanks yeah and you know and just to to play with more of the the good stuff between him and loki where it's you know that by that by that point in the far future they spent how many eons you know fighting and loki trying to kill him and but still at the end of the day they're they're brothers and they're you know thor can't thor still loves him you know yeah yeah just despite everything like they're still just like you know the the thor and odin stuff is so much of the meat of writing thor stories right um, you know and, and odin being thor's greatest influence and inspiration and also his greatest enemy you know at the same time and yeah and and that's you get some of the same good family stuff with with thor and loki yeah odin was a very i mean obviously he was a very prominent part of your run was there any any inspiration for like your treatment of him as a character i mean the i think it was issue 11 of the thor run leading up into war of the realms where thor and odin just decide you know we're just gonna beat the shit out of each other like is such a good like culmination of everything that had been coming before it was did you have any um i don't know did you have a specific vision for how you wanted to portray odin in your series yeah i mean you know a lot of that came from just reading those original stories like i you know I, i i see people sometimes grumble about my portrayal of odin like i was the one who decided to make Odin an asshole. No. <laughs> You're just the one who followed through. I, right. I did not. <laughs> right. You did the Jack Kirby way. Yeah, you right. did. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Odin has always been an asshole. Yeah. So I think, I think one of, to me, like one of the fundamental aspects to understanding Thor's character is his relationship with his dad, that he is always trying to Im- impress and prove himself to his his father. And he is, you know, it's, it's, I mean, Bruce Springsteen said about his his dad that he was he was my my greatest hero and my my biggest enemy at the same time, and that mm-hmm. is that is Thor and Odin, and that is a yeah. driving part of 
what of how Thor acts and why he does what he does when he's Viking Age Thor, when he's an Avenger, when he's the fucking old guy in the future whose dad is long since dead. Yeah. That is still a part of who he is. So I think if you, to me, if you don't understand that, if you don't get that, you don't understand what makes that character who he is, right? And so I right. did not make Thor an ass or Odin an <laughs> asshole. I most certainly, you know, leaned into that for sure. But that was, you know, that was on the page before I ever came along. <laughs> so as as you kind of brought your your Thor run to a close and you were getting ready to move on to your next project, what was it like handing off? the reins or i guess the hammer to donny cates did you impart any wisdom did he share you know his plans for what he was planning on doing with the character yeah you know i mean donny pitched everything in the marvel retreats and and um i was i was i mean it was it was weird like uh i had the same sort of feelings after writing wolverine for six years and then you know one day next day they're doing more wolverine stories without you so I, I felt weird. Like I didn't really want to say anything. Like I didn't want to influence Donnie. Like, I don't want to say like, no, I wouldn't do that or you know, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, all I, I remember telling him at one point, um, just like take of, of what I did, you know, don't feel like you've got to be precious or honor anything like, or just because I left things this way, you got to keep it that way. I said, take whatever you want from what I did. And, and if you need to like set it all on fire you know do what (laughs) you have to do whatever you need to do to to tell your story um and i feel like that's exactly what he's what he's done you know like i i've loved and enjoyed donnie's run as as a fan um and as you know as the guy who was writing the character before him and the you know it's that last issue of king thor where where we go back to the to the library and omnipotent city and we see the thor books right and yeah all oh, the omnibuses yeah. right yes <laughs> Which some we of them on be- second and third printings yeah right. exactly long out of print yeah <laughs> right very expensive on amazon oh oh yeah, um, oh, yeah. but i you know we I'd, we'd seen those shelves before and then i first showed the war of the realms as a book title yeah. you know years before we got there and so just wanted to drive home like i was very proud and happy to have added some of my books to that shelf because those shelves are covered with titles of real life thor stories and then some some that we made up some there's (laughs) you know there's one of donnie's in there there were some to come Mm -hmm. so it's just winter yeah right it's just sort of showing like you know like it's a great honor and thrill to get to kind of the etch my name into the stone next uh, next to some of these giants and but then you, you pass it on and it goes on and on and it'll, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll Thor will outlive me, outlive Donnie, outlive all of us. Um, like they're always going to be more Thor stories to come and just, you know, that's a good thing. Like, yeah. and, and, and it's just cool to be a part of that. So, yeah, I mean, that was very much my feelings also on, you know, handing, handing the reins over to, to the next person. Right. With, uh, with, with, your entire Thor run, uh, you know, Thor being a god, and you mentioned earlier that you're an atheist, has has your presentation of Thor and your writing Thor and gods and all that kind of stuff over the years, has that changed any thoughts that you've had on religion or has that solidified any thoughts that you have on religion? Like where, 
we're getting really personal. I apologize. But uh, <laughs> as, as a person um, who's also not religious, I was raised religious, but, you know, have definitely walked away from that in my life. And a lot of your Thor run speaks to same, like you said, with Thor number 12, uh, you know, speaks to where, where you think like gods should be. Like, that's a God that I want to look up to. That's a God that I want to pray to. You know, uh, that's it's my favorite right. issue in the run because it's exactly that. Like the first time I read that, it it floored me for a week. So I'm I'm curious as to like where where your thoughts are on religion, like just as a whole. Yeah, I mean they they it's a good question. They've definitely not changed. You know, over the mm-hmm. uh, over the course of my um, my writing career, as as I continue to explore ideas of faith and religion. I mean that Marvel talent search contest that I won that 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 eight, 10 page Wolverine story, whatever it was. It was Wolverine stumbling out of the woods and um, encountering this lady who's got a flat tire and he's talking with her while he's trying to hurry up and get her out of there. And and she's talking to him about, about God and about faith. So kind of right out of the gate, I was writing about ideas of faith. And I that, that was a big part of my Wolverine run, you know, over yes. the course of those several years is, Yes. One of my favorite issues I did was um, after Nightcrawler had died. Uh, like in, carrying the body up the mountain? Yeah, the, it's like a piano, right? Like you had to carry this fucking piano up the mountain. Yeah. And, and I, if you haven't read it, I won't tell you how it ends. But I, I, <laughs> So I, I, I loved exploring that in a lot of different ways with Wolverine. So, I, I mean, it's a, it's a thing I'm fascinated by, even though it's not a part of my... Yeah, I'm interested in that. I think that's really cool of you to kind if, of just that even though i mean even the, i love writing the punisher right and right. the the only time i've been called for jury duty was literally for a fucking serial murder trial holy shit and, <laughs> and i was i didn't make the cut because i opposed the death penalty so that is the oh, that Jason, is the least man. frank Mil- <laughs> the, 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 i mean the least frank castle set up ever, right? <laughs> literally I, a, a serial killer straight up like a serial killer <laughs> and then and i'm like nope can't can't do it you know um yeah. so it's the 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 things that fascinate me as a as a creator you know again fans will sometimes read shit into like i've been a, I've, i remember people complaining on a message board one time about me pushing my christian ideals in my comments <laughs> Clearly, um, which, I, <laughs> which delighted me to like no end. I thought, <laughs> that was fucking great. Which, that's that's too woke, right? <laughs> I mean, which is the way it should be. Like, you don't need to know what my personal beliefs are. I mean, I right. talk about. I've I've been open about um, uh, writing Thor as an atheist. Yeah, um, but it's you don't need to like. I'm supposed to be writing the characters. I'm not just supposed to be putting, you know, putting my own words in in their mouths. No. Exactly. One of the few times I think I've done that is is when the character is saying shit that I believe is is with Gore the God Butcher. Like they're absolutely <laughs> I think there's it's a bit with Gore's son, you know, like his yeah. or oh, I can't remember he's maybe he's talking to Thor, but he's mm-hmm. he's basically talking about like a very rational way of why we'd be better off without all you guys, without all you gods. Yeah. So that's probably one of the times I've come the closest to, you know, putting my own personal philosophies in the mouths of a, of a character. Yeah. But I, you know, again, with Gore, I liked that. 
I think what makes him a compelling villain is like, he's got a point, you know, like he's, you understand where this guy's coming from and he's, he's justified in being angry and upset. I mean, clearly he takes it to, you know, some, some dark ends, but you can understand why he feels the way he feels. So literally like I had a moment where I was watching, um, I took my, I took my family to see Thor love and thunder. Mm -hmm. I was sitting there and I, uh, the, the only this like you know the fourth time I had seen it in different forms, but it, only at that point did I. Well, I was sitting there and realizing like, oh fuck, like we're watching a movie that's inspired by my atheism, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. it right? never crossed my mind. Yeah, I mean it's weird. Like it was. I mean, again, that was the fourth time I'd I'd seen it, and it never fucking occurred to me before. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the whole you know. It's surreal experience through all that kind of being involved with that and seeing the different iterations of that movie and then going you know took took my son to the premiere and yeah and then watching it again it's all it's all each experiences of seeing it has been different and weird but you know good like it was good um uh, it, it's fun to talk story with taika watiti like that's a uh, I bet it's a fun, fun experience. Does it ever get easier to to know, like, or not not necessarily easier, but do you ever get comfortable knowing, like, oh, all these things I've created in these comics, you know, between, uh, I mean, Jane Foster's Thor, you know, and all these things that are going to last in media and in like statues and merchandise for years. I mean, I have a Jane Foster Thor statue and action figure, you know, like these are things that are going to last. I got before. one right here. Yeah. Like, hell oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, how, 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 what is that like? Like knowing that these things are going to carry on and you created these things, you know, you helped create these things. What, what does it feel like? Oh, I mean, you know, it's, it's super cool. Like that, that part of it, that was my favorite part of the whole movie experience really is just like all the new Jane Foster toys and shit. I've added yeah. to my, my, <laughs> my guest bedroom is like my presidential library. It's just full of <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, you gave books. Natalie Portman a job. <laughs> well, she was doing she was doing okay before i came along but <laughs> um yeah i mean that yes that the, the the fact i you know could go pick up a jane foster thor happy meal toy yeah um that 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 super delighted me all, all that makes me makes me incredibly proud and happy not just you know for my contribution but for for esad ribbick and, and russell dowderman and matt wilson and and Will Moss and all of us who were a part of that. Um, I mean, it's still, you know, I, 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 what I sit here and do, I don't do any of it thinking about a movie someday or a happy meal toy or a statue or any of it. Like it's still very much about just doing stories I think are cool. And that I want to see um, to, to make myself happy, really. Like that's, that's what my job is, is to write shit that I like reading, you know, that's all I know how to do. So it's yeah. still very much about that. So it, to me, the, the biggest, most important part of any of the, the um, you know, something like I've done being adapted is that hopefully that gets those stories in, in front of more readers, right? Like, cause, yeah. um, you know, but we just, but I'm super proud of in particular that Jane Foster Thor stuff, I think is maybe the best thing I've written at Marvel. Um, so, I, you know, the, the thought that that pushes more people towards reading that is, is great. 
So then you're, you're saying I shouldn't be holding my breath for the Southern Bastards Happy Meal toys then. Is that what I'm <laughs> I need a Coach Boss getting? action figure. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. I mean, I think, I think it wouldn't be McDonald's. I think it'd have to be like an Arby's tie-in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like an A&W. <laughs> yeah. Coach Boss sauce. Like, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we could hook something up with Arby's. uh your so your time at marvel uh, a specific favorite thing of mine that you've done constantly at marvel is return to the theme of the phoenix uh the phoenix is just something especially over the last like 10 years you know going back to like wolverine and the x-men and your thor run and your avengers run you keep coming back to the phoenix what what about the phoenix draws you to that entity or that character like what well, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of been different things the times I've used the character, right? Like It has. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like with, you know, the, the Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine, like the, it, then it was just kind of the fun of doing the, the Phoenix gun. Right? The Phoenix gun, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just sort of using it as a weapon, right, as a toy. And then like the Mighty Thor arc that I did, it was... Mm-hmm. I really liked the idea of bringing in Quentin Quire, who I love yes. having yeah. written and in um in Wolverine the X Men. And I kinda you know, we we was it Battle of the Atom was like where we saw yeah. these future versions. Mm-hmm. So we saw yeah. Quentin's mm-hmm. gonna become the Phoenix someday. So I liked mm-hmm. part of it was I wanted to kind of set up that idea and play play with those toys um again. And I like the idea of again having Jane as Thor fight bad guys that we there weren't just another member of thor's rogues gallery right like i didn't just want to do like okay let's have her fight fight hella and fight loki and fight all the same people we did some of that but i also wanted to like let's give her members of her rogues gallery who are different you know so bringing in um exterminatrix and silver samurai different yes so some of it was that like (laughs) okay phoenix seemed like a cool cool foe for her to fight and then with the stuff I've been doing in Avengers, it was, you know, when I was looking at, okay, who should the prehistoric Avengers be, right? Like who were the f- kind of the first primordial defenders of the earth? Who are the oldest legacy characters? I felt like, okay, the Phoenix, yeah, needs to be a part of that, right? And I I think the Phoenix is one of those things that's such a big iconic um, part of the X-Men lore in terms of really just that first story, right? Like there've been, countless versions of that since then but everything kind of goes back to that first um you know gene gray story yeah. and i think you know we talk a lot about it marvel about you honor what has been done before but we don't want to just keep picking the bones of the same story right like yeah. you can't do stories that are just another version of hey remember how great that story was that we all loved from years ago like that's not, <laughs> right <laughs> that's not sustainable you have to take that and do something new with it so i with the phoenix i thought like well let's the the x-men um people were not using the phoenix did not have immediate plans for the phoenix at that point so i thought okay well that's a can we rip it away from them and have it be a part of the Avengers for a while? Like to, to position the Phoenix as a, as a part of the Marvel universe as a whole, as a, oh, yeah. not just a part of the, the mutant section of the Marvel universe. Um, and so it felt like the, the Phoenix force really needed to be one of those prehistoric forces. And then the stuff I've been playing with was 
um, with, you know, the Phoenix's connection to Thor. Yeah. Really, really just came in my continued desire to like piss off both um, the Thor fans who don't like me and, and <laughs> X Men fans who. Are- <laughs> so it is out of spite. Yeah. I knew it. <laughs> um, you know, X Men fans who like don't want to see anything other than, you know, than that, that character with the, the Phoenix Force with the X Men and specifically with, with Gene. Yeah. Which, which, you know, I get like, again, I still hear from the same fans who are mad about the the jane foster story and she hasn't been thor for fucking years now yeah (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) um so i get get it anytime you 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 make a change um people are not gonna like it but with the i mean the thor stuff goes back to i mean the the phoenix thor stuff like years ago i i showed that odin and the phoenix has a, had a some past relationship yeah and yeah. in that jane foster story i showed there was some kind of connection between the phoenix and thor that jane didn't understand you know yeah. she asked like did you guys used to date or something like why is she <laughs> it's basically like why does she hate you seem to hate you so much or have yeah. so, like, such feelings yeah. so it's clearly like emotion there um from years ago before i was even writing adventures um so some of it was the the the, you know showing what that is there was never you know this issue just came out what like last week the prehistoric Mm -hmm. adventures which is kind of the story like this is what the story is so we kind of teased all this time and um and it's really about that of like again sort of like when we introduced the new thor any of this sort of stuff you don't do it just as well this will be shocking this will be a surprise this will be a twist this will be a retcon um you know you can play with that idea uh, but it's about what is the fucking story right like what story are you trying to tell and with the phoenix it was the story that i told in that one million adventures of like this is this prehistoric version of the phoenix it's about her like what is what does this story mean for her emotionally right and I was really, I'm really happy with that emotional story. And we will see more effects from that, you know, and as we get to Avengers Assemble. But mm-hmm. I think people, people act like retcon is, a, they use it as like such a dirty word, yeah, right? Slur, like, yeah. <laughs> um, when, with, especially in, in particular, if we're talking about Thor stuff, you know, people forget like things they like about the character are things that were retcons right like the character as we know him is not the one who was introduced in those initial issues right it was don blake like we that was eventually retconned and changed and we understood don blake was not even a real person right the idea of who was thor's biological mother was retconned like initially that was that was frigga that was odin's wife at the time and then eventually Mm -hmm. after stan was was long off the title it, it, we got the story where it was Gaia yeah which was a which was a there've been like two stories that that kind of show this is how the Thor was born this is mm-hmm. yeah. not much right in terms right. Of like Gaia kind of came out of the blue I'm sure if there had been Twitter <laughs> back then people would have been losing their shit like <laughs> who is for this? so many what things. is this Gaia yeah. shit <laughs> it's like what do you mean she was an egg under the water yeah. the entire <laughs> time. What are you talking Stupid. about? 
so I so um I mean that part gets frustrating to me of people just like look I mean my advice is always read the stories that make you happy right yeah. and, mm. and 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 don't read the stuff that doesn't you know that's simple advice um but but um people who just freak out about the idea of a retcon as being something automatically dirty um, yeah. like you you don't really understand the, the history of comics if if that's the way you feel yeah. <laughs> um and uh, again like read the story or don't read the story like the um um I, I also don't have a lot of time for people who freak out about things they clearly haven't read yeah <laughs> right like it, you know if i'm a chef and you tell me i'm a terrible cook but you've never been to my restaurant and tried my meatloaf you know like i don't know what to i don't know what to do with it like i can't help you man right nothing i can say um but yeah i was the 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 the, i was really happy with that um avengers 1 million bc one Mm -hmm. shot kev walker and kev walker were really gorgeous fucking team yeah it's a powerful team i don't think i've ever seen the two of them work together before actually yeah i don't know if i had either um, and it, were, it looks really, so really good, good yeah um and yeah and so i was I'm, I'm proud of how that all turned out i think people i think another thing sort of you know i've talked about people confusing a character's words with a with the creator's own personal beliefs i think also people who seem to believe everything characters say like i hate stories where everybody always says what they're thinking you know and only says true things like that is not i don't know about you guys but i don't live in that world right nobody lives in that world for sure none of us none of us always say what the fuck we're thinking no that's why we have problems right exactly (laughs) (laughs) right and we all all of us say things we don't believe at times we people lie people say things that seem right to them but maybe don't seem right to the next person like to me that's how i write that's the kind of stories i like to read yeah and then you kind of sometimes you have to wait to see how the story turns out sometimes you have to unpack it for yourself of like who do i believe you know like as i'm i'm having some of the most fun of my career writing this punisher book that i'm doing right now so, I love it. I, it's so good. <laughs> and thank you. And 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 a big part of it is, you know, I'm I'm like I just turned in issue 10. So I'm almost done at this Holy point. shit. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And it's, you know, the first arc has been narrated by the priestess of the hand. Uh-huh. So when we it's like the first six issues. So when we yeah. get to after that, this I guess a little bit of a spoiler. It'll be then the narration switches. It's narrated by Maria Castle, so it's narrated by Frank's wife. Awesome. Oh, so very, awesome. very consciously did not want to have Frank Castle first person narration through those issues. That's, such a That's one of my choice. favorite things about the book. Actually, I I love that because I I don't want to know what's going on in his head. Yeah. Right. Thanks. Me too. Like, I think it's way cooler than <laughs> not know. And he surprises you every time with something he does then. I think that's such a great choice. So that's I cool mean, to hear his conscious. There, I mean, there are a lot of moments in, in the story where I, where I think I am telling you what he is thinking without telling you. Like, yeah. It is there if you look for it. Yeah, for sure. But we don't, he doesn't say it. He doesn't say he, it. He doesn't yeah. get it in narration, but yeah, yeah, yeah. the motivations, his thoughts, 
why he's doing what he's doing. Everything is there on the page if you yeah. if you look for it. But at the same time, I like getting, you know, this is not just about Frank telling us like my name is Frank and I kill people and here's what <laughs> I'm can doing. Can you start it. off his dialogue and one of right. his issues with him just say, "Hey, my Frank. name is Frank. I kill people." <laughs> so that <laughs> like he's at a <laughs> so that he's at like a vigilantes anonymous. <laughs> Hi, Frank. <laughs> like I, I was coming to get my chip, but then I killed a guy on the way here. So. <laughs> Hey man, we get it. Over. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> we all got to start. I mean, he was a, actually just a bullet. Like. He was an asshole. <laughs> he had it coming. So I, I mean, I like writing the narration of people talking about Frank. Yeah. And then we get their perspective, and like I, I like I'd written some dialogue for Maria or narration that kind of contradicts what some of what the archpriestess had said, right? Oh, like great. they're two that's different cool. perspectives and opinions on Frank. That's brilliant. And so, I also think like in a meta way, that's that speaks to how many different interpretations that people have for the Punisher as well. Yeah. So it's, right. it's Absolutely. such a cool choice. Yes. And also just, you know, Frank is one of those characters who is both a profoundly simple man, mm -hmm. right? And then also in other ways, not fucking simple at all. Yeah. I mean, I think one of my main things with this story in particular is to show his story is not a simple one, you know? Yeah. It's not just the A, B and C, like a, the, 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 the idea of like, well, he was just this guy who goes off to war and then his family dies and he's the punisher. Right. Like, right. Bam, bam, bam. Like that, those are, those are the major beats. Like, yes, all those things are true and all those things are happen, happen, but, what about all the other little beats in between those? Like there's a yeah. lot more nuance and complication to it. And I, I think some of it, you know, won't be clear until we get to the very end and you kind of, kind of look back and see, you know, all the kind of twists and turns the story took that you didn't really see coming um, in, in some small ways and some big ways. Um, but yeah, it's all up to me about bringing that complexity and, and, and still with, you know, hopefully with moments that'll, that'll, um that will surprise you um along the way and in, in, in good and in horrifying ways <laughs> hell yeah sorry so, I, I i i find i haven't talked about this book too much in interviews and i really continue to find i sort of some of i struggle to put into words i don't struggle when i'm writing the issues like right. these issues are 30 pages yeah. and i i fucking write them on the fly like because it <laughs> Because it feels like I'm having so much. It feels weird to say I'm having fun because it's not a fun book. It is incredibly right. dark. It's kind of fun, though. It's kind of fun. <laughs> sure. The pressure uses the word to chop people's heads off. It's kind of fun. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think it shows I'm having, you know, wicked, all kinds of wicked, wicked fun. Yeah. Um, but it's, I, I think I've, I have so many thoughts and ideas and opinions, very strong opinions about this character, about this story. I do think I struggle to kind of encapsulate. I thought about doing at some point, maybe doing annotations, going back and doing annotations oh, of the that's issues. Amazing. Yeah. Talk about specifically what I was thinking about in, in different moments. Cause I do have a lot of thoughts, but. Well, I'll There's I'll a, just say it. You're welcome to come back and talk Punisher every, anytime. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I, I love that book, and we'll you're, 
you wrote my favorite Punisher run, which is your Punisher Max stuff. I think that 26 cool. you. with with Steve Dillon is the best of the Punisher Max stuff for me. Like I I love that run. Thanks. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I'm, so I'm really please I'm really proud of that. Come. It was great to get to work with with the late great Steve Dillon. Yeah, what a legend, um, man. Yeah, he was he was he was so great. Um, the he 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 died before he could um, convince me to be uh, a fan of cricket. He tried. <laughs> uh, rest in peace steve like you you tried so hard to i tried to turn him on to football he seemed as disinterested and, and confused by football as i did by cricket. <laughs> so what you'll have to do is you'll have to come out here and then we'll we'll do like a live episode where we play cricket and then talk punish do you, do you play cricket <laughs> No, no, I've never, oh. I've never touched it, but I think that'll be fun for the four of us to figure out. Oh, see, Absolutely. you don't even, do you even, do you even understand what the fuck you're, you're, you're fighting off for yourself? Yeah, I, I think you know. fully appreciate. I do know we're offering like this. This game is going to be like a three-day game kind of pretty <laughs> process. Right. That's, that's how tournament. it fucking works. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we'll set aside the time. time. It'll be great. A, it is an epic undertaking that you have just invited yourself into. Yeah, it's fine. I'll close my comic shop for a couple of days, and that'll be fine. Like, let's do it. <laughs> and in, we'll in, interspersed, we'll also do viewings and chat chats about some pro wrestling stuff as well oh yeah for sure there I'm, you go yeah you guys I'm, you guys are wrestling guys i'm, a, Eric I'm is a huge wrestling guy obsessed yeah, yeah. cool uh, cool ever since i was a kid are you because i know you're a fan um do you have any favorite wrestlers right now i do yeah um right now i mean i, I i'm mostly a big aew guy hell yeah. yeah yeah um so i love you know kind of the 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 young um dudes they've got i love jungle boy and luchasaurus yes yes um, so cool. that's jacob's guy jungle boy yeah yeah right. <laughs> he's a lot like uh what is it uh uh, uh zambara or what the last boy on earth basically that's what i always oh. thought of him as Kamandi. oh Kamandi. Kamandi? yeah 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 it's like Kamandi was a wrestler oh, yeah. and he's got yeah. his his best friend's a dinosaur yeah exactly that's so tight yeah, yeah. Wrestling's great, man. I keep telling you this. I, I know. <laughs> he used to always ride him to the ring too. Like, he yeah. Oh God, damn, that's cool. And then his Christian opening, had to go and mess uh, it all up. His opening song right. for a while was uh, Tarzan Boy from. Uh, it is uh, now. It's, it is it's now. his yes. current. It's his current yeah. theme. That's awesome. Did, did you watch um, uh, Dynamite this week? No, I have not. I mean, I kind of know what happened, but I yeah. I'm behind. I have not watched this week's. I mean, so, I was surprised. so you, 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 same. Do you know? So you know about the the Moxie Punk I squash? Do, yeah, I haven't actually watched the match, but yes, I, I, I saw what happened. I was, yeah, I was surprised by that. Yeah, they, like, they clearly... actually, it's so short they put it up in its entirety on YouTube. Oh so, shit! Oh okay. Yeah, cool. I'll go watch it. Yeah, yeah, go watch it. It's, it's. <laughs> I don't. I mean, it sounds like that's maybe not the match you want to go watch if you're not usually a yeah, wrestling maybe fan. Not. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go go watch some Omega Okada and just, yes, just um, be taken off. I I fucking love the Young Bucks. Like, yeah, they're great. I um they were they were the first time I started seeing them. Like they were they got me to subscribe to the. To the new japan streaming network yeah yeah back in the day because i was every time i see those guys i was like holy shit like those yeah. dudes are amazing so i i was so excited you know to watch those dudes them and 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 kenny and and, and cody and everybody who's kind of a part of that to watch the way they worked and hustled 
did their own shit and then now have their own company and how that's going like it's been so cool to watch those dudes and one of the only time you know i I go to comic conventions all the time i've never been the guy who would like pull strings to like hey can you get me (laughs) can you introduce me to ralph macchio or whatever like i was (laughs) dude i was never that dude but the one time i was i was like Hey, I really want to meet the Young Bucks. Can you introduce oh. them? To them? <laughs> so I got to meet them and Kenny one time. I mean, I didn't, they didn't know who awesome. the fuck I was. I was just some. But that's nerd. so cool. <laughs> you guys are great. Um, Thanks. But yeah, they they're they're so much fun. Every any match they have. I mean, AW is like loaded with dudes. You know, I love yeah. the Lucha Lucha Brothers. Love FTR. FTR top guys. Yeah, they're and I, they're doing the and Lord's I, work. They are. They're so great. And I have started to watch, I've started to watch Raw and SmackDown again, you know, like I have not watched in a long time, but it's like, it's crazy. What uh, bringing in, you know, right. some fresh, from fresh talent in the creative. Right. We'll everybody, yeah. everybody is now like, you know, okay, let's tune back in. And it's, see yeah, it's safe to come back. Go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we saw that on Monday, Gargano back. I said that right. was really exciting. So I, that's my guy. That's you awesome. know, there, I think that bodes well for a, um, that that you know that change with Triple H bodes well for a lot of the dudes there, like my famous oh, yeah. Yeah. men and women, right? Like who, are, sure. who are oh, some yeah. of, some of my favorites. Like I fucking love Kevin Owens, so I'm mm-hmm. excited to see what that means for Kevin Owens, uh, and excited for what that means for the women's division because yeah, yeah. like bringing Bailey, Eo, and Dakota in as a group, I think it was incredibly smart. Yes. Like the, I mean, regardless of what you feel about WWE or AEW, I think you can't deny just how many great women WWE has had for so long. And I, oh I, yeah, for years, loved oh, the women yeah. division in NXT. That, you know, they, they, they had did. the best division in the world for a while. It was yes, so great. And then it just it seemed like you know that kind of fizzled out on the main roster. Yeah, that they didn't know what to do with with some of those women and started to give them kind of shorter matches. So. Now it feels like definitely, you know, they're making more of a point of making them a, a focus point again. So I'm excited to see, you know, what what we get. I mean, Bianca Belair is fucking great. Like I love, she is I love her. So they got so many talented women there. I'm excited to see them, you know, cut loose a little more. Yeah, and and Rhea's been doing great as well. Yep, she's great. Yep, in the enforcer. Yes, I mean, part of bef- you know before this change at wwe as an aew guy i was like okay who who's going to get let go or who's going to get fired so they can come over to aew yeah like let's game like please you know please sasha banks come over to aew like how great (laughs) oh so now you're like well are those people will probably stay right like yeah as many people are going to be and now who you know will any people be going back like we'll, we'll see but my my first thought when hit row came out i was like okay how long is Swerve's contract right. AEW for? Because I love I mean, that act. I, I mean, I hope he stays. Like, I love, yeah. I love how they've been using him in, in AEW, and you know, like Malachi Black. Like that, yes. I hope that dude stays. Like he's House so, of Black is incredible, right? He is so great um, there. So I don't, I don't, you know, Miro like that. He he has really excelled since for since sure. he came over. So, um, I you know, I hope those people I hope things. You know, like I, the, I mean, all the the dirt sheets this week are all talking yeah. about like all the, all the backstage heat and unrest, yeah. and 
I don't, I mean, I, I don't know shit about fuck. I mean, I know like the, <laughs> what little I do know and what like the people I do know in wrestling. Like I, I don't, I don't hear any of that shit. So I don't know yeah. if any of that's, I mean, CM Punk, the only stuff CM Punk has ever said to me is the same shit he says online, which is that he's having the fucking time of his life. Yeah. And every, everything I see, it seems like that appears to be true, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, he, it, it didn't look like he was having a good time on Wednesday, but I mean, just right. the, the uh, just, I mean, the response, like watching that live when he came back in Chicago, it right. was like, it, I still get chills. Thinking That's about awesome. It. Like, it yes. was incredible. Absolutely. Like the, that was such a great moment. Again, like the, just the way they did that where there was like, okay, there was a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, yeah. you knew everybody you knew it was knew, coming. But you also you didn't really know until it happened, right? Like <laughs> there was um, always that chance that the music was going to hit and it was going to be MJF coming out looking right. smug as a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and fuck, I miss MJF. Like I don't know what I think he's coming back. Fuck soon. is going on there, but man, that dude is so good. And he's he, so young too. He yeah. is like son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> moving moving i guess looking forward with comics uh we do know that you've got avengers assemble coming in november um do you see that as like your next bit like it's obviously like the next big event for your run do you have like do you have like an end point in mind for your run on avengers do you have this was solicited as the end point isn't it yeah yeah i mean this is the i mean the your big finale yeah i mean the the issue that comes out in November is like the beginning of Avengers Assemble is a multi-issue thing that bounces back and forth between the two books. Right. It kicks off with an Avengers Assemble alpha issue, just like a oversized one drawn by Brian Hitch, which is really just a Whew. giant sized slug fest. Hell yes. Oh, yes. A lot, best. a lot of fighting. <laughs> yes. It is so goddamn pretty. Like I, I'm so happy. I mean, it's a thrill to work with him on on anything. It's a weird spot for him to be coming in, like you know, at the end of my run, and like here's, yeah. hey, hey, Brian, welcome to the party. Here's 45 characters, <laughs> <laughs> including new iterations of established characters, right. <laughs> right? Many of them you've never seen or drawn before. Um, I did, I did set the issue mostly in a snowstorm. To kind of help him out with some of that. <laughs> That's awesome. You you are a kind and benevolent yeah. guy. <laughs> so it's a weird spot, but he's been so cool and so excited and brought awesome. brought his absolute A game to that issue and, and kicking ass. So then after that, in the in December, I guess you'll see Avengers Assemble continue in Avengers and Avengers Forever, kind of two different tracks still initially yeah. in the two books, and then they crash together more and more as we go so um yeah avengers assemble is like the end of my avengers run um and it will again like i've talked about i mean i've kind of known this for a while you can look back at that stuff i've been saying for the last couple years and right and um talked about how i'm pulling threads from ghost rider and wolverine and and thor and a lot a lot Mm -hmm. of shit i've done over the years all pulling them into this so it really to me this is not just the end of my Avengers stuff kind of me I think stepping away from the ongoing monthly grind that I've been on yeah. since 
yeah. like 2008. 2008. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm not saying you'll never see me do another ongoing book, but I am not of the stuff I'm working on and committed to doing. It's not ongoing. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe some of my creator owned stuff might be a little closer to ongoing, but work for higher stuff. I'm not, not want to step off that train a little bit. Gotcha. Still do projects, but it'll be more like what I'm doing with Punisher. So it'll be me and one artist, two artists, set number of issues. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Avengers Assemble is kind of the, um, my swan song to ongoing monthlies for a bit. That's awesome. Um, and then, yeah, also in November, we just announced I'm doing a book with Boom Studios. Called yes. Once I wanted Upon to talk to you about at, that. Cool. Yeah, it's it's called Once Upon a Time at the End of the World. And it's, um, I mean, kind of the, I, I, I remember reading an interview with Tom King where he was talking about how most of the stuff he writes now is like 24, 25, 30 pages. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that with Punisher. It made sense with Punisher where we're dealing yeah. with like, flashbacks and present day stuff and you know 20 pages like you can fill up quickly yeah and yeah <laughs> so doing that with 30 like is so luxurious and refreshing <laughs> and it gives you space to do big visuals right like right. i like comics that do you know that do a really good double page spread and do a really great spout splash Same. page um so i like you know no i love writing really dense you know seven eight panel pages too so to be able to do all that issue to issue is is an incredible feeling so i knew like i want to do more of that so with this book for boom um you know it's kind of a big weird ambitious project and that it's um it's it's a love story in the far future where these two characters meet as kids in the first arc at least and then the second arc, we get to see them grown up in a very different kind of story. And that one has a different artist from from the first arc. And then there's a um, you know a darker third third arc that's drawn by a third artist. So it's kind of three different artists, three different time periods. Each issue is thirty pages. Even within those issues, even within that first arc, we see teases of the of the third arc. Like those timelines kind of oh, weave cool. together at times. Um, which is a lot like God bless my editors at, at Boom, um, particular Sierra Han, who's had to sort all that out. And hmm. turns out it's not easy to find three artists like right out of the gate. <laughs> what? We've got a, You're crazy. We've got a, a, a really, really an, a amazing team. And yeah, yeah, the first issue comes out in, in November. And it's a book. I mean, I'll talk more about it kind of as it gets closer and as we yeah, go and kind of what sure. it what it means to me and where it came from and how it really grew and changed over the course of the last, you know, three years. Um, during, you know, our own into the world fucking times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It seems like the perfect setup for like an isolation kind of story. (laughs) So it's, I mean, it's a book different than anything I've ever done. I think different than any kind of post-apocalyptic into the world story that we've seen before. And I'm, I'm really, really excited for that. So that that's, that's also in November. Hell yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I was really excited about the announcement for this, not just because obviously it's you and you're telling a really cool sounding story, but also the announcement that with the first issue, you've got Alexandra Tefenki 
on art. Right. And I'm a huge fan of his work from uh, Good Asian. Good Asian. I love, that was one of my favorite the books book. of the last year and is incredible. Absolutely, yeah, which they, you know, he and Pornsack just won the, the Eisner for. Yeah, I was, so, oh, really, God, you, you'll um, love to see it. Asians in comics, I love yes. it. Yes, Pornsack's a, a great guy. I've known him for years since he was at, at DC, so I was really, really happy oh, for yeah. him. And yeah, Alex's work on that it, it was really amazing. And if you if you dig his work on that, I think you'll dig what he's doing on this. Yeah, I'm, awesome. I'm really excited about that. And yeah, we, we we get Alex doing the first arc, then we get um, Layla Del Duca doing the, the yeah. second one, and then oh, yeah. Nick Dragata draws the third one. Yeah, East of so, West, Nick Dragata, right? And then Mike Del Mundo's doing the the covers. Covers, so at least, right? At least oh, that the first yeah. arc. Oh, we we always really talked about how much we liked the uh, the usage of Del Mundo's art in. Specifically in the covers of your Thor run with him, yeah, and yeah, he's exciting to see that. I think he's been one of, if not the best, cover artist for years now. Like his, especially when when we were doing Thor, like he would send in, you know, pretty much every artist will send in, like, okay, here's like three ideas for this cover. With Mike, he would be like, "Fuck, could you just do all three? Like, I don't." <laughs> these, it's rare for the same artist to do all the variants. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> Like none of these should go undrawn. <laughs> um, so he's so he's so passionate and imaginative. He's he's always a pleasure to work with. So I, I want to ask because you did mention that it's a post-apocalyptic love story. Do you have any favorite love stories that you might be drawn inspiration from, or any stories that are near and dear to your heart as in kind of that genre? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I'm, I mean, some of this in terms of love story nature of this book, you kind of, it's hard to talk about without telling you what the whole story right. is going to be. I mean, mm. with this first arc, um, definitely I, I, in my mind, it was always Wes Anderson doing Mad Max. Uh, like a huge... That's the coolest, huh. that's the coolest <laughs> elevator pitch I've ever heard. Whoa. That. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan, yeah. Um, and so Moonrise Kingdom, I mean, Hell might yeah. be my mm -hmm. might be my favorite Wes Anderson movie at this point. Good man, like it's a good pick. Kind of depends yeah. on the day you ask me. You know, sometime yeah. it might Very be um, Royal Tenenbaum. Sometime it might be That's... Grand Budapest. Yeah. Grand Budapest, yeah. Like um, sometimes it's um, uh, fuck the the um, stop motion one. Oh, oh fantastic, Mr. Fox! Fantastic, Mr. Fox! Yeah. Yes, yeah. thank you. Love it, love that. I was gonna say love Isle of Dogs, so whoopsie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did, I did like Isle of Dogs. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it nearly as much as, as Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox is what I think of every time. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, this is so. I mean, the, the, there's a lot of Wes Anderson, I think, in this <laughs> in this first arc. Um, that's cool but but it's you know again it goes to some surprising places i think over the course of the series that's awesome so i know that you said it's three arcs and did you specifically want just because the it's it's just three issues correct no it's i mean it's like it's three arcs so it's like 15 issues oh hell yeah and are you planning on having like the rotation of artists throughout 
all like each one well i mean no like alex draws the bulk of oh the entire the, arc okay awesome the first arc right hell yeah it will also okay, be great. you know like nick has some pages in issue one like right away we yeah. jump and Whoa. get a tease okay. of, and then layla does the bulk of the second arc and arc nick two. draws the bulk but like in the third arc we'll we'll see alex and layla will both be drawing pages as well like have kind of all three of those timelines so i mean you know again it's like i don't know i just got a thing for threes i guess (laughs) it comes in three versions right three versions of thor yeah Uh, i mean so with the love story it's looking at like okay we usually get the first act of the love story right like they meet and fall in love Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes you get the third act, right, where the shit falls yeah, apart. Falls apart. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like this is kind of showing you, you know, love stories are more than just one of those, right? Like this kind yeah. of shows you all those different moments, different periods in these characters' lives, sure. um, against the backdrop of you know the end of the fucking world. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm really excited about it i can't wait uh yeah. november is a big month for you which is really exciting yeah i don't yeah yeah i can't remember what else i got coming out i mean think punisher and more avengers and yeah yeah i'll have mm-hmm. i'll have some other stuff you know i'll be able to talk about at some point before too long oh, cool. work for higher end creator own cool mm-hmm. we got to get you at dc yeah yeah well you know We'll see. Like I like I said, I grew up a DC kid. Yeah. So, you know, if they call me up and want me to do Blue Devil, I'll be there. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Okay. We, yeah. we got to get them on for that twelve issue Blue right. Devil Maxi series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they can, if they can just get the rights to Atari Force back, <laughs> that's gonna be the one. That's gonna be oh, the one. There All you go. over it. That, that yes. that's that's what's gonna draw. Dodderman over to DC with you is doing a tire for us. The big reunion. That would, yeah, that would, that would be amazing. I'd oh do, I'd do anything again with with Russell. He's he's incredible, man. You 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 definitely had a blessing there with with that run, man. Like, I did. Yeah, I mean incredible. that's all that all goes to Will Moss. He was the one who who brought awesome. Russell in, and yeah, it was absolute right right choice. See, stolen from Cyclops again. You hate Cyclops. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Going to right out of it. <laughs> Never Extra forget. Little, just the icing on the cake. Getting the yeah, exactly. Cyclops. Yeah. He's like, oh, and I get to take him from Cyclops. Done. Done. Uh, Done. <laughs> well, Jason, thank you so much for giving your time and sitting down with us. This was awesome. Yeah, man. Um, Is there anything you want to plug? Yeah, Jason? please. Uh, as the hot ones guy does, this camera, this camera, this camera. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I think we talked about everything we could talk about uh, book wise. Um, I mean, I would say, you know, if you're looking for to keep up to date on what I'm doing, I have a Substack newsletter. It's you know, it's a free one. Um, it's me bullshitting about different stuff and then letting you know what all I've got going on and. Think cool. anything new I'm going to be announcing that'll be you know one of the first places you'll you'll hear about it. So that's a good good way to keep up with what I'm up to because I'm not as not super active on Twitter, or yeah. Instagram, or, or I mean I'm on all those places, but the the newsletter is really 
best way to and even that it's not like i'm sending shit out every week right usually if i get one out a month like that's doing pretty good because <laughs> you're busy yeah i mean i, I don't want it to good problem be to a, i don't want it to be a grind like i want to if i'm if i'm sending you one it's because i not just i mean part of it's like hey i got this book coming out if, you know maybe you should go mm-hmm. buy it but i also want to try to have something to say you know yeah when i, when yeah. I send them out so it I don't, I don't ever want it to be a thing I do because I feel like, ah, oh, fuck, I got to crank out another newsletter. Like, right. <laughs> I, I enjoy doing it. So I'm, I'm just trying to keep it where it still is something that I will enjoy, you know? Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for the time. Um, honestly, reading through the store run has been incredible and getting to actually sit down and talk to you about it has been just amazing. So yeah. as I said earlier, open invitation you're welcome come back anytime we'll we'll talk uh we'll talk punisher over cricket and uh i promise i'll get both of these guys to read astonishing spider-man wolverine and then you'll have to come back on so we can talk about that all right hell yeah all right that sounds like a plan awesome (laughs) except for the cricket part Uh, (laughs) we'll win you over (laughs) just get a week off and we'll we'll, we'll plan Right. Don't make any plans for a long time. (laughs) Well, again, thank you so much. Um, And I guess, you know, stay fucking worthy. photograph